Patrick Swayze's first death, X-Men battle the big screen, and Leonardo DiCaprio invade your dreams this week on 2010. Welcome everyone to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years into the past of movies, TV, video games, music, and so very much more. I don't want to tip our hand on what we're talking about today, but uh, let's just say... <laughs> I brought the horn out. Uh, I love that thing. I might, and if you, if you, if my co-hosts might say something dramatic, uh, I might use the horn then too. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman. And if you're not wearing your mask when you go out, you in danger, girl. Ooh. <laughs> it's, Sarah. Sarah. it's me, Sarah, playing my favorite game. Do I have a fever, or is it just really fucking hot outside? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, it's a weird, weird world. But uh, we're looking back to 30, 20, and 10 years ago when it wasn't as weird. Uh, celebrating the anniversaries of several notable TV shows, movies, video games. And I got to say, the movies this week, it's not just that each decade contains something I think is wonderful. It's that each one has kind of an iconic scene that has been parodied forever. And that is not that does not happen to us often. Uh, I think these three movies are incredibly significant to pop culture in a way that doesn't normally line up with us. But it is the summer. Uh, that and Kids, that's when movies used to come out. Uh, <laughs> we call it the, the Scoob parable. But <laughs> instead of hearkening on depressing things. But yes, let's get right into it. Uh, we talk about three decades. We're going to be talking about the week of July 10th through the 16th in 1990, 2000, and 2010. Thank you, Biscuit, for barking as we are still home recording. Uh, 1990, I thought this was an interesting, stupid piece of news. Uh, thanks to pressure from PETA, Wheel of Fortune becomes the last show to retire prizes based on fur products. Yay! <laughs> and it's only that I never thought of such an indelible image of the 1960s or 70s than someone winning a fucking fur coat on a game show. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. It is kind of wild to think about. I mean, I remember watching Mad Men. Yeah. That's like the gift of choice, basically, is fur. And now if someone offered me a fur, I would look at them like they were crazy. I like Swatted to the ground. So weird to me. Yeah, I think yeah. It was, for, for, fur coats are like Cadillacs for women. Uh, for several, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> pretty yep. much. It's it's the height of all, the king of all accessories. <laughs> it gives you that big vulva energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty good to retire. It just, I mean, it would be so much more fun though if they didn't, and they'd have people give conniptions when they want it. Like, if I want a real fur coat, really, I. There's so much fur out there that you can wear vintage fur, and it's yeah. like, well, that's already dead. And the fake oh. fur now is so good. You can yeah. wear that. But if what? I want, like, a new chinchilla coat, the conniption I would have as a former owner of a pet chinchilla <laughs> who knows how intelligent and sweet they are. Oh. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, chinchilla. Yep. <laughs> I, I had chinchilla. Mm -hmm. he, well, was, he was a wonderful little bastard. And... Just, oh my god, like I would punch out Bob Barker, it would be crazy. 
I had a friend who was quite scared of telling me that she had inherited a fur coat. And I was like, girl, it's you didn't buy it. Like it was from your grandmother. But I do have to say that if anyone does inherit, like if I inherited a fur coat, I would not know what to do with it. And there are organizations out there, rescue organizations that will take your old furs and convert them into basically like uh, surrogate mommies for orphaned wild animals that they find that need like a snuggle mommy you know, because they don't have one. And so they're they're able to, like, reconstitute oh. the fur into some sort of, like, little snuggie for an orphan baby animal. So that is what I would recommend doing if you inherit a fur and you don't know what to do with it. Oh, you see, what I recommend is I have a fox stole because I've always been obsessed with them because they're they're the foxes that still have the, the head, head and the feet on. Oh. Yeah, I'm obsessed with them. I, I found one at a vintage store for, like, $5 because, like, there were tons of them made and nobody ever wears them because they're disgusting. It's a taxidermied <laughs> animal that you're just tripping over your shoulder. It's pretty gross. So I have a fox that looks like it got run over by a steamroller. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to just like hide it propped up in the closet to like drop on people. I mean, <laughs> if you're buying one of those from a vintage store, I will support that because the, those things are morbid as hell. And yeah. I do love the idea of just like breaking that out. Like, oh, you guys didn't realize I was kind of goth. <laughs> Here you go. I, Make I, it say little things. You, I, oh, I, oh, I was just, you just got me thinking about morally repugnant gifts from vintage stores. And my mom was traveling through Georgia. So this Christmas, it is on paper one of the coolest gifts I've ever been given. But it is also a seven thick disc from 1947 of every sound from Song of the South with, with a book. It's uh. like, I can't even keep this out in my I can't throw it away it's the <laughs> oldest thing I have but I, I can't post about it on social media leave it around in my house let alone mention it on a public podcast which I'd never do but I just <laughs> but, but I, it was it's the first time I've had to confront that like oh my god thank fuck you mom and thank you this sucks <laughs> I, but I, I'm gonna keep it Ugh. Ugh. anyway uh, anyway I, I love news like that. Hey, when you think we've had no progress, I haven't thought about the problems of the fur industry in at least 20 years. I'm not saying it's gone, but uh, we seem to have curtailed it a little bit. Mm. Uh, yeah. Movies of 1990, July 10th to the 16th, Die Hard 2 is still dying harder at number one at the box office. That was a terrible sentence. Uh, <laughs> it is an exciting, exciting week at the box office. Uh I guess because of Peter Boyle, Charlton Heston, and Tim Matheson and Solar Crisis? Dude, no, th- hmm? no. But I remember this popping up on TV every now and then, and I would watch for it because what it's directed it? by Alan Smithy. Ooh. Ooh. Which means it's so bad, its director disowned it. Ooh, and la la. It, it is a mess about, like... Uh, the spaceship and then they have to like drop this bomb on the sun and then there's like some factions are fighting and there's just like all these old dudes who are better than this just oh my god i hope talents pops up in there and yeah it's just oh peter boyle of everyone loves raymond yes yes and young frankenstein fame and young frankenstein yes and uh basis for Jimi hendrix's hey joe uh Mm. And, and uh also don't spoil classic garter oh my bad oh really how was that Seriously? accident um yeah the jungle book re-releases this week and man that used to be you know i, I gotta say it's probably still exciting for kids the re-releases like that have you ever have you taken a look at have you taken a gander at netflix's semi-new top 10 feature 
Nope. It, yes, it's, I it's, have. It's a little depressing because it's always like the newest thing, but then it's also like in the top 10 inevitably is like a 10 to 20 year old movie that is worthless, yeah. but it's just new to Netflix and so like off for weeks, The Nut Job, uh, yeah. the, the Steve Carell yeah. squirrel movie that has been in the top 10 of Netflix for no fucking, that wasn't even in the top 10 at the box office at the time, but I think people who saw it when they were younger get excited when these things pop on streaming services and you can see why Disney had such success with releasing Jungle Book uh, and movies like that every couple of years. I'm sorry. I was trying to find an equivalent. Um, file this one under I Wonder What This Movie's About, A Chinese Ghost Story 2. Is it the first movie? What's it about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's just uh, I try to shout out whenever we have like a something pretty big that I've heard of from overseas. Mm-hmm. It's the Chinese release. It's a film uh, produced by Tsui Hark, starring Leslie Chung, who I always like Leslie Chung. So, <laughs> And, yeah. uh, oh, I know your husband would be excited, Sarah, because he loved the stupidity of this movie and the stupidity of its star uh, oh. back when we were younger. Um, this freaking movie. Hey, you know how Die Hard 2 is at the box, top of the box office right yeah. now? Mm-hmm. Its director has another movie coming right. out already. It, it's so bizarre. Why? And uh, and I I was wondering like why why this cast? It, it seems like a lot of random names together. Why are Robert Englund, Ed O'Neill, Morris Day, <laughs> Lauren Holly, Priscilla Presley, Wayne Newton, and Andrew Dice Clay in the same movie? That can't be. But it <laughs> it is not? the Adventures of Ford Fairlane. It's because Rennie Harlan made Nightmare on Elm Street Four. He probably loves Robert Englund. And mm-hmm. uh, this movie is ridiculous. Yeah. Fan from MTV. I'm sorry that I made you clean the toilets and the bathtubs. I mean, who did all the work in bed? Censored on Saturday Night Live. Prophylactics cost money. America's number one comedian can't be stopped. Another satisfied customer. Andrew Dice Clay is Ford Fairlane, the private dick. What? In the public eye. Oh! Rated R. (sighs) A notorious bomb, and I always... And a part of the reason that I would guess this bombed is like I didn't I, I missed out on the Andrew Dice Clay thing as a little kid. I just never even really knew what was happening. And this is the ninety I always consider more of an eighties figure, and this is the nineties. Yeah, he's an early nineties guy. A much better vessel for him than television. Uh why not let him curse up a storm in the movie? But the movie's not even that dirty. I know Sam and I's favorite joke. He walks into a, a fancy party with hors d'oeuvres and says, Oh, who's the voice? And like we <laughs> We've never been able to stop saying that. Yes, it's from The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Ask Sam about the boat in the movie, which is named The Mighty Penis. For a a little kid, it's like a a hilarious joke to write that on a book. Yeah, that's pretty much where where the comedy is pitched, is for like 11-year-olds. With some of the jokes going over their heads. It's bizarre. Like, just the idea that you could hang a whole movie on Andrew Dice Clay. Like, I understand why they think that would be a good idea because he has this persona and it's very well defined mm-hmm. he's this like weird 50s greaser new york guy who says terrible things about women and <laughs> just about everybody else um but it's really like making him he's a detective and he gets involved in this you know there there's a MacGuffin that's like a, a bunch of cds it's got some data or something something and there's some point where a koala is there and he has to take care of the koala, which is like this weird puppet. And honestly, the funniest thing in this movie, because it is so bizarre is there's a point where like the bad guys, you know, rifle through his apartment and they rough up the koala and he comes in and the koala is hanging. 
<laughs> I don't know why, but that actually makes me laugh because it's so terrible oh that my they God. they lynch the koala wow. bear. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. A joke Oof. that's so bad that I laugh at it. That's the biggest laugh I got out of this. Yeah, it's so bad. We tried to watch it. I feel so bad for everyone who's in it. I just feel embarrassed all the time. Yeah, Andrew Dice Clay would not get his motion picture juice back until Star is Born. A wonderful performance, actually. Well, no, actually, before that was Blue Jasmine. Oh, I didn't see it. All right. Um, But I do think that's an interesting topic to explore is – the idea of taking a stand-up comedian who has a distinct persona and putting them in films and when that works and when it doesn't. It's like, Hi there, Dane Cook. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, 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 Terrible, it's worked but then look once. look at Rodney Dangerfield. It's worked once with yeah. Steve Martin and everyone tries it and everyone fails at no. it. Rodney Dangerfield, I think it's very successful. I don't think, I don't think his yeah. movies were not successful. They were small budget movies. He has a, a tiny performance in uh, Relatively and Caddyshack, but like his movies were like yeah. huge bombs. Yeah, time. bombs, but I mean, now I think they're seen as not bombs, right? Look, we get a it, you like ones. ladybugs, but you do not want to watch Meet Molly Sparks. It's, it's back, <laughs> to school. back to school. Oh, back, back to school, school. all right. Classic. All right, I'll that's take it. That's the only one that's watchable. I'll take it. Only on screen, uh, one of two on screen appearances from Kurt Vonnegut. I'll take it. And this is, I swear, I don't want to say it like uh, qualify it like this, but my favorite Bill Murray movie. And what? and now I know why with a little bit of research. Obviously, I love Rushmore more, but it's like that's not a Bill Murray movie. Life Aquatic is probably my favorite Bill Murray movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's be real. But We're lost in translation. Everybody else in this movie, from Phil Hartman to Tony Shalhoub, Randy Quaid, uh, mm-hmm. Gina Davis, quick change with Bill Murray. Average height, average build, red nose, blue hair. It was the perfect crime. Guys. Now all they need to do is get to the airport. Did we miss the expressway? Getting farther away every second. By car. Oh, we're really making progress now. I saw a sign, Phyllis. It is. It, it's. It's difficult to describe, and I. I. I almost don't want to do it because when I. I caught it on cable and didn't know it was happening because they only marketed this as Bill Murray in a clown suit who robs a bank. Mm-hmm. That's the first twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and then after that, there's a pretty sizable reveal with the rest of the cast. And it's all about trying to get to a plane to escape with the money. And yeah. it's just filled with comedic performance of all these beautiful New York sequences. It is, to this day, the only movie produced and directed by Bill Murray. He has never bothered to involve himself. Wow. Uh, ever in any other project to this extent. He co-directed with Howard Franklin. I don't know why, because that guy did not make another comedy, I don't think. Well, he. what's weird is he did... Name of the Rose. I think he wrote yeah. Name of the Rose and someone to watch over me. But he also worked again with Bill Murray on Larger Than Life and yeah. uh, Man Who Knew Too Little. Yes. Mm. The really bad. The the, the one two the punch ones. of bad movies. Yes. Yeah. The Bill Murray bottoming out movies. Yes. Mm. Before Wes mm-hmm. Anderson brought his ass back. But this yeah. is a perfect 80s movie. It's rated R. So the humor still works without being yeah. particularly offensive because that's just not really who Bill Murray yeah. is. And it's just language, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jason Robar. Really yeah, it, it's insane. Like, it, and it, it was, I remember it wasn't on, it was, I had this list of DVDs I wanted to get, and it was one of the last few ones hanging out up there. It was never released because no one talked about it. It was also pretty unsuccessful. Um, yeah, but this is a recommend for me. I mean, I mm-hmm. had not seen it until this past weekend, and uh, there are movies because I, 
am busy most of the time during the workday. I don't get a chance to watch a lot of stuff till the weekends. This is a perfect Saturday morning watch for me. Yeah. Because I was able to like drink my coffee, enjoy it, kind of be looking at my phone or my computer a little bit, but still really get everything. And there was enough going on and enough great. I was like, holy shit, is that Phil Hartman? Holy mm-hmm. shit, is that Tony Shalhoub? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. It was a really fun watch. I found it absolutely delightful. Also, yeah, hot, uh, I, I really like, I don't know what, I mean, just because it gets, its tone is a little dark, yeah. uh, especially in the back half, because the high sequence is so much fun and so clever and mm-hmm. sneaky and, you know, Ocean's Eleven-y. And mm-hmm. then, then it's just the constant frustration where it turns into the out-of-towners. You know, it's like the constantly trying to catch the bus. Does it go to the airport? I don't know. Well, it goes near the airport. Well, what do I, uh, could, how much if I give you 20, 50 bucks, you take us to the airport? No, it's a bus. You can't do that. And they get to the cab and the cab is nuts. And then they're walking and they can't figure out where they are. And, and mm-hmm. they get stuck in this neighborhood with the scary Spanish lady selling flowers. <laughs> it just, yeah, if you, I mean, before cell phones had maps on them, I feel like everyone has had this experience in a strange city of just getting really fucking lost on foot and being like, oh, shit, I have no mm-hmm. idea. None of these streets make sense. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with people? I don't know where this is. I got on the bus going the wrong direction. Now I don't know where the fuck I am. The quote from Bill Murray is like, uh, I wanted to make it here so people could see how horrible New York City is. <laughs> <laughs> a place where he notoriously does not live. Despite being Most forever associated time, with it. These like frustration at every turn movies kind of stress me out a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. But Bill Murray is so effortlessly effortless, effortlessly <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> so much effort in mm-hmm. saying that word, but you know what I'm trying to say. I do, I got him. He's cool without effort. Like he's just the coolest guy. And he's just like, you know trying to make his way through, trying to keep his little team together. I don't know. I just loved it so much. I, I thought it was such a fun watch. I want to do another hot take here because I also think it, it was the first – It was I saw it when I was younger and I'm like, who's this guy? I, I think it's the funniest thing Randy Quaid has ever done. His performance yeah. in, early in the movie is so he hilarious. Is so <laughs> good. And I mean, that, that's I, like I hate to spoil some of the high mm-hmm. stuff, but like I didn't recognize him for a long yeah. time. All of a sudden, like, <laughs> oh, oh god, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I love I, I love it so dearly, and I love Cousin Eddie and Major League Two fan. But, I don't know if anyone has the cast list pr- pulled up, but the bus driver is a hey, it's that guy, and mm. I could not put my finger on him. Yeah, he's in a. Oh, whole bunch of stuff i'm trying yeah. to think of what's the thing i know him from uh philip bosco first wives club that first is first like wives a, club yes. working girl money pit savages. my best friend's wedding yes nobody's yes. full wonder boys he's in hitch he's in 2000 shaft that we just talked about you've got uh bitches leave kurt Ward smith <laughs> he's in here <laughs> Uh yeah, this this movie is uh just a fucking delight kind of comedy that doesn't come to theaters anymore, and I encourage people who care to check it out because like Bill Murray didn't do a lot of like rated R anything that wasn't more on the drama side. There's not a lot of mm. rated R comedies uh, other than short appearances in Fairly Brothers movies that Bill Murray's involved in. So yeah, like they, they him and Howard Franklin shepherded the project for so long they just like said they couldn't see anybody else directing. It is also bizarre. It is an adaptation of a book that had a movie made five years earlier. 
an American what? movie. Yeah, it's it's not the same, but it's an adaptation of the same book. Huh. Uh, it's called The Hold Up. I did, I've never heard of it, but it's yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty strange. Written by the same guy who is a Jay Crunley wrote. What is it? Let it ride. <laughs> he's having oh. he's having a great time in the eighties because uh, of all of his shit is being and Funny Farm, which I which I I can't even imagine someone wrote that in prose. <laughs> like, and then the mailbox hits him in the dick. Uh, <laughs> adverb. What? How do you write that in a book? <laughs> and, uh, you got to get to the you got to get to the chapter where the guy gets the fish hook in his cheek. It really really ruins the fair. <laughs> Uh, okay, but quick change is dope. It doesn't even come close to the, I don't know, pop culture longevity of the next film. Yep. Ooh, highest grossing girl. film. The highest grossing film of the year. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. $500 million. They made half a billion dollars on oh. a budget of $22 million. Wow. Oh, my Lord. Tony. That would be literally everyone's seen, even if you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. You just, you've seen it somehow. Oh, How my. is this possible? Uh, Tony Goldwyn, who will become uh, eventually be known as Academy Award winner Whoopi Goldberg, Demi Moore, and Patrick Swayze in Ghost. As we say farewell to our friend Sam Wheat. I feel like I can still feel you. If you can't believe what you hear, I get a message from Sam. Sam's dead. What you see. Sam was not just accidentally killed. I was murdered. Then trust what you feel. If anything, if I could just touch you once more, you will believe Ghost. It's it's fucking we just talked about Ghost Dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm astonished like how 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 both these movies have like similar not premises per se, but like ex, like have to make up rules of what ghosts are and how similar oh, yeah. those rules are for both movies and how terrible Ghost Dad is at explaining it. And I was just thinking, like, I wouldn't get this at all unless I had seen Ghost. Because Ghost is, for my money, one of the most excellent descriptions on the possibility of paranormal life. Mm-hmm. It, it's yeah. awesome. It's this nice movie. and simple. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Which is what I think people want. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so this has been an interesting one-two punch for me this week of Ghost and then Inception, which we're going to talk about for 2010. Mm-hmm. Because recently... Something that I I noticed that happens when I come out of a major depressive episode and I start to feel better. Mm -hmm. Then I start worrying about dying a lot more. Mm. (laughs) So watching Ghosts and Inception in like one weekend while I'm also dealing with like anxiety about dying has been a real fun experience. (laughs) Let me tell you. (sighs) Like I feel better, like happier, but also I'm really worried about dying. (laughs) Mm. But Ghosts made me feel better. Yeah, because it's it's yeah. ultimately a very hope hopeful. It's a beautiful movie about like love and the afterlife, and you know we were what just happens. yeah. It's interesting that I, I guess Ghost Dad has this too that they're both movies about the afterlife that have clear rules, but not who established those rules. There's nothing really religious going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like if you do bad things, then bad things come and take you away, and if you do good things, or you just seem like an okay guy. But you have unfinished business. You stay for a while, and then once your business is finished, maybe you can leave. And it's mm-hmm. nowhere near. You go someplace that looks nice. It's nowhere near as contrived. Just in terms of like, dude, that's fucking awful, professor and ghost dad who has to explain the rules. There, are, within the movie Ghost, there are, I guess, what would be upsetting imagery, but nothing in the universe is more scary to me than Vincent Schiavelli <laughs> running at Patrick Swayze on the subway 
when he recognizes him. That terrified me. And I love how they, how that's how he ends up understanding his new position is by yeah. getting, is basically getting trained by another cursed, uh, cursed body. Yeah. Mm hmm. Right. Who just doesn't want to leave because it's yeah. not fair that he died. Yeah. That's what he's mad about. Mm -hmm. So he's just haunting the subway, being pissed off that another ghost is looking at him. <laughs> and, God damn it. Stop looking it, at me. I'm going to knock this newspaper over. Go away. It also this... makes me miss uh, looking forward to Whoopi Goldberg's appearance. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I don't mean that because I, I dislike her because like I love I love watching her tear into people on the on the view when that when that goes down. But like <laughs> she's like she's a fucking really good actress. And yes, a good yes. comedic actress, but every movie she got to star in is fucking terrible. That, but every are you but, talking about Sister Act, brother? Because not I a think Sister you Act. Need to bite your tongue. I was, I was talking or mostly, at, mostly or Karina, as Karina. She's great in color purple. She's great in like a, in Karina, Karina. She's great. Uh, I was talking mainly, as always, about Homer and Eddie. No, I. I <laughs> Uh, but she I thought it was Theodore Rex. She, we always got to go back to Theodore Rex. She became a, a mark of a lack of quality when you saw Whoopi Goldberg was starring in a film. And this, you will not understand why when you watch this movie. She's fucking rad. Yeah. It's too bad because I absolutely love Whoopi Goldberg. I love, it's it's unfortunate that she's had so many hits or misses. I mean, I absolutely love her on Star Trek. I think Star that's Trek, actually dude, my favorite awesome. role of hers yeah. as Guinan on uh, TNG. But yeah, I mean, She's phenomenal in this, and thank God she was recognized when the Oscars came around because she ended up winning the supporting for this one. I think yeah. it was a, she was she was Star Trek's first Oscar winner uh, as Ooh. an as an actor. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay, can we talk about the director? Yeah. Because that's the weirdest thing ever. How it's Jerry Zucker's Green Book. It's and Jerry Zucker. <laughs> His previous movie was Naked Gun. <laughs> And and that like he when I looked what? at his filmography he yeah. he never made anything like this again. He's like no. oh, yeah I wanted to branch out and do more things with my career. He 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 produced some stuff like a Walk in the Clouds, but he never like shepherded or directed another like semi serious film again. Two more movies mm -hmm. in eleven years. He did First Night, which is not very good. That's the Roundtable movie with Sean Connery mm -hmm. and Rat Race, mm -hmm. and then that's it. Meanwhile, his brother goes off. And starts making just the worst things ever. Wow. <laughs> oh, just an, an the American worst. He keeps Carol. Going. He, he keeps going with the parody movies. He gets into like Scary Movie 4 mm. and American Carol and just the worst. And Ugh. I wonder what their Thanksgivings are like. <laughs> My right. God. I might be yeah. able to ask. I have to say, though, like, so there are so many oh. iconic moments in Ghost. And I was trying to think back on... How many movies exist where this song is like absolutely tied to the yeah. love scene? Yeah. Mm. Because the only ones I could think of was this one, which the love scene, by the way, in this movie is, of course, iconic, done to mm -hmm. Unchained, Mel Unchained Melody, Melody by the Righteous Brothers. Mm -hmm. And the only other ones I could think of was uh, Take My Breath Away, Berlin for Top Gun. Yeah. Absolutely awesome. tied together. And uh, Cry to Me. Which is again Patrick Swayze in Dirty Dancing. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy yeah. because I think this song is used in other movies to evoke what you're feeling during yes. the iconic yeah. scene in Ghost. How many times yeah. has this been parodied? It's cheating. Yeah. And it's cheating. Uh, I don't care for it. Jillian Dimes. But you know what's weird is like, I can't, it's like this movie is good. Mm -hmm. It just, in its basic simplicity. Mm hmm. But that's about it. It's the simplicity. Mm -hmm. It's hmm. the sense of getting nominated for Best Picture and Sweet Baby Jesus. No. 
<laughs> no, this is the kind of thing they teach you in like, they use this as a template in like screenwriting class. You pull this apart to understand why it works and why so many versions of this don't. Wait, so how many does that... romantic films suck. How does that make it not a good candidate for best picture if it's used as a template for other movies? Well, just over time. I mean, it's it's something that you just... So is, so is like, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but I don't, I don't know if it's the yeah. best Oscar well, picture. Maybe that anybody. should have been nominated as well. Been, it would have been <laughs> yeah, fine with that. Casablanca was remade as Barb Wire of Pamela Anderson. That doesn't make Barb Wire <laughs> as good as Casablanca. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but a, a perfectly fine. Sarah was just yelling about me about not having watched a romantic comedy because I don't typically like those movies. But this movie is romantic as all get out, but it shelled it in a, being a paranormal thriller. And so, like, yeah, my yeah. sister and I could watch this together all the fucking time without any hesitation. Mm-hmm. We we both loved it. Ugh. Yeah. And, and I mean, I just, I cannot say enough about Patrick Swayze. He really, I, I don't know that we could name another actor who did as good of a job as he did of conveying toughness and tenderness at the same time. That's an, mm. that's an excellent description of Patrick Swayze. He just yeah. was so... I f- he's just the perfect guy that you could look at and say, like, this yeah. guy is going to, you know, take care of me and protect mm-hmm. me. But he's also like a very gentle guy. Like, and yes. he would yeah. never hurt anyone. Even yeah. even when he tears he'll, your, he'll you- treat you right until someone threatens you, and then he'll fuck that guy up for you. He'll rip some throats out. <laughs> he'll tear literally he tear a throat to. out, and but he'll feel bad about it. But yeah. then he'll lift you up in a lake so you can nail <laughs> that final lift. That's <laughs> <laughs> her fault for being too heavy. <laughs> I'm assuming that was a dirty dam- dancing reference. He will which... get his new girlfriend's dad to pay for your abortion. Or, <laughs> if I may make a reference to one of my favorite Swayze joints, he will take care of uh, both of his brothers when their parents are dead, um, as well as the whole gang of greasers and outsiders. Yeah. And <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I can't, yeah, I, I, you're making me miss Patrick Swayze now. Fuck me. Yeah, yeah. everyone should miss Patrick Swayze. He was a gentle soul. Yeah, that wasn't a. I wasn't making a joke in the intro. I uh, wasn't trying to be morbid. It's just that like Patrick Swayze almost always played the hero and never died. And this is a movie that features mm. him dying in the beginning. And I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And, yep. And uh, yes, let's move on to television. I, I would thoroughly recommend Ghost. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. It, yeah, I think. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you've pretty much seen it by osmosis. But yeah. it is worth. I guess just watching to see like this is how you do it right. Yeah, mm-hmm. or why yeah, you're balancing a lot of elements. You're right that it's it's sort of a thriller, it's sort of a mystery, it's paranormal, and it's also a romance, and also there's some comedy in it, and yeah. it's like it balances everything so well. Oh yeah. yeah, and and if you ever wondered why pottery wheels still make women horny to this day, word. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> see I mean, just if you've seen that Community uh, episode, <laughs> no ghosting, no ghosting. <laughs> you didn't know what that was about. Check out Ghost. Uh, yeah, Ghost is one of those classics I feel like sort of fell off. I just never hear anybody talk about it or see it on cable, but it's mm, worth it's I worth looking it's just, out for. It's just embedded itself into the culture that yeah. you don't mm-hmm. think about it on its own terms anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. separate. Yeah, I, and I'm speaking from like like a ton of viewings and not a, not a rewatch now. I've, I've seen this movie so many times. Uh, something I've never seen and feel guilty about. Um, because in, in a rare instance... Somebody cared enough. Shout out to Kyle Foster to like preemptively just now post on the Laser Time Facebook group. Like they better fucking talk about Northern Exposure. Yes, I was going to shout oh, out Kyle too girl. because 
Northern Exposure. To stop me. This was the first show I was obsessed with. Really? What? Really? I loved this show so much. And I am going to have trouble explaining why. Because, like, you know, because I was 13. But um, it's so frustrating because I spent a whole bunch of time deep diving into where can I watch this now? And the answer is go fuck yourself, Diana. You yes. can't. So I actually watched the, the pilot today on Daily Motion. It's like one of those <laughs> yeah. things where it's like backwards. That's, that's where you're you know? going to find it. Yeah. I, yeah, you're going to find episodes on like Daily Motion. That's, and I was, stuff. it charmed the fuck out of that's, me. Let me just tell you. It is so charming. Well, that's, that's the reason I, I do know about it because when I would, when I was obsessed with DVDs, this had a really, really, really hard time coming to DVD. And everybody. But yeah. when it did, it came in that little puffer jacket. It did. Because <laughs> it, it, it cost a lot, if I'm not mistaken. Is it because yes. of the music? Music yeah. licensing. Okay. The, the reason this is never streamed anywhere and it took it like 10 years to make to, to get to DVD was because there was a lot of music licensing to do. Mm-hmm. So a couple seasons came out with like filler music and mm-hmm. that pissed everyone off. So then a couple more seasons came out with the actual music, but like it cost a ton of money mm. because it was so expensive. So it was like a $60 DVD set. Yeah, like Freaks and Geeks. Yeah, uh. it, it was insane. So because of that, it's, you know, and it took so long that like people have forgotten it. And they shouldn't and because flows because what, what, it's an hour long comedy and there aren't a lot of those. What's mm-hmm. the, what's the premise here? I, I don't, I don't actually know. Sarah. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, Rob Morrow is the actor who plays Joel, who is just graduates from med school and kind of didn't have the money to pay for med school. And so cut a deal, um, where his med school training would be paid in full if he went and worked in Anchorage, Alaska afterwards, <laughs> which is kind of a weird, like prescient thing that is happening now. Like a lot because there are so few primary care physicians and like rural areas that's starting to happen now again with like med schools where they're trying to get people to be primary care physicians yeah. in rural areas. Mm-hmm. So weirdly prescient, but um, so he gets to Anchorage in the first episode and they're like, Oh, sorry, we already filled your position, but don't worry. We have a beautiful town to send you to where you can be the primary care physician there for the whole town. And it's this little town of Sicily, Alaska. And so then, of course, there's like a cast of characters. He's a big big city doctor from New York and he has to like adjust to the ways of a small town folk. And of course, there's like a beautiful tomboy woman who's like helping to like integrate him into the town and everything. And it is fucking charming as hell. And I loved every second of the pilot. So I'm really sad that there's, it's not readily available. Alaska is such a fucking great place to set a comedy because I went, I went there recently and like, we like got off a boat on a Harbor and all of our cell phone reception, like drove two years mm-hmm. ago that it is be- it is beyond remote so if you need anything there's probably one store that carries that specifically and it's open three hours and you know the guy because he also fixes your lawnmower it's mm-hmm. just just having been there oh that is a great place to it's not only beautiful to film it's a great place to set up a bunch of quirky characters because yeah, everybody in the town because- is by necessity has to have a special uh skill or characteristic yeah Exactly. You can bring together anyone. So they, they filmed this, like, seriously right down the road from Twin Peaks. That's, uh, I, that's what I constantly confused it with. 
Yeah, wow. up, up in the Cascade Range in, in central Washington. And I stopped there on a road trip. And it was so weird because it's exactly the same. Because it was this little mining town. And they would just, you know, shut down the roads and film there. It just filmed all on location, except for interiors they do on a set. And so it's like, it, all that shit was like 100 years old at the time. And so it's all historical. To, it's all there. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's just weird. But I mean, the show had a deep bunch of character actors, a bunch of, hey, it's that guys. Uh, and also like behind the scenes, pretty much everybody who w- worked on this ended up on The Sopranos. Oh, <laughs> David Chase was uh, a showrunner for a while. Okay. Uh, yeah, a bunch of writers and producers ended up moving <laughs> to The Sopranos after Northern Exposure, which huh. is weird because Northern Exposure is, I mean, technically a dramedy. But yeah. mostly yeah. it's a comedy. Yeah. When things get dramatic, they're not like really dramatic. They're just sort of like, that's too bad. Dramatic. Well, I love TV shows that have to deal with medical stuff too. And so the idea of like a small town doctor, like taking care of everyone's maladies is just delightful to me. Yeah. And- they do a lot of doctoring, if I remember, because they spend a lot of time with all the, the townsfolk who are just quirky. I mean, the show always got described as quirky, and I was like, can you not have, like, there's got to be a better word, but there kind of isn't. So I'm really curious, because there's this show that I got super into a couple years ago called Heart of Dixie um, that is essentially the same premise, except for uh, the doctor is uh, Rachel Bilson. And she plays a New Yorker who is a doctor and then accepted an offer to work as a general practitioner in a small town, Alabama. But most of it is her dealing with like the quirky townsfolk. And this show is charming as hail. And it's like almost exactly the same kind of premise and idea, like fish out of water, big Mm -hmm. city person coming to a small town that almost seems foreign to them and their customs and how tiny it is. And I have a huge recommend for Heart of Dixie and Northern Exposure as, like, two sides of the same thing. <laughs> I have to check out Heart of Dixie then. And also, it's like, I, yeah, I'm just sweet. so annoyed that even even with filler music, I, I would prefer, you know, like they, they had to do with Wonder Years, where just, just get this out there. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you can find, like, random episodes on Daily Motion. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just there's, did, I just there's did, no legal way to get your paws on it. At, at a glance, you unless can, you bought it for hundreds of dollars. At, at a glance, and I'm really good at diagnosing this. Uh, a lot the DVDs are still in print and still obtainable for decent prices. It's kind of hard to justify of a complete series box set of Northern Exposure for the same price of a year of Disney Plus. But that's mm-hmm. what you're looking at. But also, you can just see from like different seasons. Some of these seasons skyrocket in value because it looks like certain sets contain songs that others don't. And mm. yeah, just that's my at a glance diagnosis. There is probably one DVD set collection that is better than another and yeah. or older or has things that the other one does not. And I got I I am charmed by your description of this charming program and pissed at myself for not having seen it and want to avail myself of it. And it looks difficult, very difficult. Mm, yeah. And that's yeah. that's thoroughly unfair. And you know you know what that means? Mm-hmm. Netflix pressure campaign. Yeah, <laughs> I'm it. I'm for it. You got you got Studio Ghibli to start streaming films. Like, uh, yeah, look, they just got Supermarket Sweep. I've been on the fence about subscribing to Netflix, so you know maybe if you've got Northern Exposure with all the music restored, I'd consider subscribing to this thing I've been subscribed to since day one. 
Uh, yeah. I have no, no it, I, it, yeah, if Netflix or Hulu picks it up, I think it would be rediscovered and people would like it because there's nothing, it doesn't date too much, except obviously no one's got cell phones. Right. Uh, I was in Alaska two years ago. But... No one could use cell phones. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah, but it's so weird. Like it was a huge hit. You know, it was just a summer replacement became a huge hit. You mm-hmm. know, it was super critically acclaimed. I think it won a Peabody Award in there somewhere. And, Six seasons. You know, it surprised everyone. It won the the Emmy for best comedy, even though it's an hour long show. And then like they resubmitted the next year as a drama just for shits and giggles. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, this was a big ass popular show. And I mean, six seasons, four of them better than the other two, and uh, just. Wait, wait, what, wait, what are the bad seasons? It's the last two or the first two? La- last two. I mean, it has the problem of like uh, they they had contract disputes with Rob Morrow and then he walked and they brought in Paul Provenza and through, <laughs> the host you know, of Nickelodeon's they, they Kids Court. Do, they they try to cousin Oliver it, and mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of their writers left to work on other stuff and hmm. yeah, it got a little eh, in there. I gotta but, try this, and I, it's got Aiden in it. What am I I'm powerless to resist it? Uh, <laughs> oh, I know. Aiden, oh, he's so dreamy. So you ever you ever wonder why we don't talk in depth about video games anymore? Because it is one of the biggest weeks for, I don't know, uh, games with amazing fan bases. The PC game Star Control game came out this week. Again, you can find out, we'll, we'll do a more in-depth version of this uh, on patreon.com slash time, where I'm joined by Video Game Apocalypse, Michael Parez, and Matt, Matt Allen, where we talk in-depth about all the games coming out. We might have a special guest this month to talk Ooh. about the releases of mm-hmm. July. Star Control being a massive one that I played exclusively in school, but everyone I know who had a PC swore by it. Final Fantasy finally makes its way to North America thanks to Nintendo publishing it. And slowly builds into one of the biggest franchises in all gaming, arriving three years after a Japanese splash. And perhaps the most American franchise in our country's history, Bigfoot, comes to the Nintendo Entertainment System. Not the mythical animal, the monster (laughs) truck, which is like, you can still see Bigfoot in like Target and shit, like... I'm not sure I've ever met a Bigfoot fan, but I'd never met a little boy who doesn't know what Bigfoot is. He's a big monster truck, and it's inarguably kind of cool. It's just never built on it. What's he do? Mostly drive around. Cool. Any guns? (laughs) Nah. Any? any, uh, He drives. He's a car that drives on other cars. Uh, and on music of 1990, July 10th to the 16th, Step by Step by New Kids on the Block is still number one. Uh, new releases include Pandemonium by The Time, uh, Stray by Aztec Camera, Naked Thunder by Ian Gillian, Bad of the Heart by George Lemond, and uh, the <laughs> Love God by The Soup Dragons. <laughs> I'm sorry I laugh every time I hear The Soup Dragons. For some reason, our school was given, you know, like, a, remember, remember paper book covers for your books? Uh, we yeah. were we were given them we were given book covers by Musicland and they were <laughs> featured one of five albums most of which were the Soup Dragons so the Soup Dragons <laughs> album cover was on most of our like math textbooks for some reason uh, weird <laughs> yeah it was fucking weird and nobody should be nobody should be allowed to do that in middle school to middle schoolers <laughs> um, but what is I'm Diana must have an interesting reason why this is taking us out ah <laughs> uh, we're well we're going out. By a song by the time from Pandemonium, mm-hmm. and it, it needs a little context. 
Because obviously, first, the, the second I saw the title, I was like, well, I need to know more about this. The context is the time, if you remember, is kind of like the villains in Prince's mythology. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very materialistic compared mm-hmm. to Prince, who just wants to love you and doesn't care about all that. Just wants even to trick though... girls into being naked and leaving them behind on his motorcycle. Yeah, <laughs> even though that motorcycle costs money, but and so did that ascot and that shiny suit. Yeah, but... nobody, nobody makes purple clothes first. That's no. Yeah, but, but the time, they're like... They're like they're they're not as pure of heart, and so when I saw that the, there's an, uh, a song called Donald Trump Black Version, by the time I wanted to hear what is, but it was not what I expected at all. It is a slow jam about how he's got money and he will give you everything you want, but not necessarily everything you need. Hmm. Like, but you need but what he, you want. He, he, he. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But he'd say it slower and like they uh, he wasn't on Adderall? Yeah. Okay, sweet. So let's go with Donald Trump black version. Closing up with Donald Trump parentheses black version. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will please stick around, people. There's so much more uh, great stuff to talk mm. about. Uh, released in the July to the 16th period. We'll be right back. Donald Trump black version. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. So Disney has said they they want to retheme uh, Splash Mountain to be Princess and the Frog. Uh, instead of the Song of the South theme, and, and and I'm totally get it, and I'm I'm all for it. And the people that are like, "Oh my God, you can't! You're, you're changing this thing." It was, and by the way, all of those animals used to be on America's Singing right. before they were on that none of the ride, so. almost also, half. everything at Disneyland is like old as shit. It should be <laughs> new and interesting. <laughs> it's time for a change. Come on, something yeah. else. Yeah, I think well, I, I mean nothing else will always have that Ernest special. I would be much more sad about Splash Mountain's retheming. If it wasn't an excellent choice, I don't know if ten, eleven-year-old movie counts as something new, Michael. But like, it's like it's already set in New Orleans. It totally makes sense. I remember going on that ride for like the first time in like the early two thousands. That was my first time, and I was like, "Wow, I didn't know there were all these animals." And Song of the South, this movie must be crazy. And like, <laughs> no, they they cannibalized an old ride and like threw all that shit in there to weirdly makes Song of the South look like it was much more raucous and big than it was. There are... Yeah, it, they're, that's they're like, what's weird. The timing, it was never a big movie. It's like... Uh, God, what's a what's a Disney movie? Brother Bear. It'd be like putting out an attraction <laughs> theme around Brother Bear. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Exactly. 
Coming in with everything you want by Vertical Horizon. It's at number one, and it's also, in my opinion, the number one reason rock needed to die and let hip-hop take over as the dominant music genre. <laughs> Sister Sorry. Hazel in Vertical Horizon, I blame you. This sucks. <laughs> so, so generic. It's so, so soft. It's, dread- it's so dreadful. It's like when someone is like lightly touching your the, your arm you know and you're just like ooh, it's it's like it gives me the feeling <laughs> like, of when like, like grab me or go away don't just sit here and hover like this <laughs> or like when it gives me the feeling of like when a girl is like in front of me for something back when we were allowed to be closer to each other and then her hair would like accidentally touch me <laughs> that's what this song feels like to me i hate this song <laughs> but i Love a bunch of the other stuff coming out uh, July 10th to the 16th in 2000, including maybe some of this music, which I'll read for the first time before committing to saying I like it. Uh, Somewhere to Elsewhere by Kansas, uh, Songs for an American Movie, Volume 1, Learning How to Smile by Everclear, Swing Set by Ani DeFranco, and Walk of Life by Billy Piper. No, I do not like those albums. I found out this Everclear album has a song I legitimately do love. It's it's Wonderful? No. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that song is... uh... Was it one? Which one? It's a bit more retro. AM radio. Oh, it's uh, yeah. It's it's a closer. Yeah, Uh, it's got the good sample of Mr. Good Stuff in it, and (laughs) it's all about how he had. We didn't have records and iPods back in our time. We don't have iPods yet in 2000, but you know what I mean. We didn't have discs and stuff. We had to sit there next to the radio with a tape recorder, hoping what we wanted would come on. I forgot about that song. That song is fun. Well, Whenever I, I, I want to revisit Everclear, I just go back to Santa Monica, which is I think that song so is, is, is pretty evident of Everclear adjusting to the shift from rock into pop. That song is yeah. hella pop. Oh, and, yeah. and, and practically See, a novelty song. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, wow, welcome to 2000. July 10th to the 16th is we're having a spirited debate on Everclear. I mean, <laughs> I do love Everclear, though. Like Some of my favorite songs to just kind of like... I don't know. The angsty towards are like white men in black suits. <laughs> uh, and I know so good. they're one of those bands with like 14 songs about California, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm. okay. Uh, this news I thought was funny, and Diana uh, may, be able to, may be able to contextualize a little bit. Eastman Kodak announces they will pay $75 million over the next 20 years to place its name on a theater built for what reason, Diana? Just for the Oscars. Just for the Oscars. But apparently, yeah. like, it didn't land the Oscars for a couple of years. So the theater, which has one of the largest, like, literal largest stages in the universe in our country, uh, it wasn't used for the Oscars for a couple of years. They had to win that contract. Hmm. Yeah, it, it took a while because, like, it had been – the Oscars bounced around a lot. A lot of time they were in the Shrine Auditorium, which is not very convenient because it's, like, right next to USC, mm-hmm. which is right next to South Central. And, you know, and sometimes it was at the Chandler Pavilion and it was just always a pain to figure out the idea of like, it will be a permanent home. Mm -hmm. The Oscars will always be there. And it's at Hollywood and Highland, which is part of a big redevelopment downtown to have Mm -hmm. all the Hollywood type stuff and not just, you know, guys dressed as Spider-Man harassing you, whatever. (laughs) Amongst the uh, D.W. Griffith intolerance set. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's where it is. I know. Intolerance set. Across from Jimmy Kimmel Live in the El Capitan Theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so finally, yeah, Kodak uh, put a name as the big Kodak Theater, and they finally had the Oscars ready built for this thing. And then Kodak goes bankrupt in 2012 because digital photography is a thing, and it's... now it's the Dolby Theater. <laughs> I know you shouldn't get sad over a corporate sponsorship, yeah. but it was it was appropriate that the film people are sponsoring the biggest event in film, and it's yeah, it, it, it's it, the sound people for Dolby. It, it is now the Dolby Theater, yeah. uh, but I and I've had, but I just. 
I, I have had the wonderful honor of going to that theater for ridiculous things that don't happen anymore, like uh, the annual Nintendo announcements. Ladies and gentlemen, virtual golf. And that's, <gasps> that, oh, that's where Jack Nicholson picked up his Oscar, right? Where this guy's pretending to drum. And, and, and the theater. <laughs> and, now there's, and now there's a thing of Jack Nicholas. <laughs> oh. And, and, and it does, because Diana w- would occasionally post old Oscar clips online when they were hard to find. The theater itself makes every Oscar pre 2002 look pretty rinky dink, because the theater mm. is massive. And yeah. and it, it, also funny, they have slots to hang up the best picture winner uh, to go up until t- 2071. <laughs> so there's a lot of empty <laughs> That's space. That's optimistic. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Too much talk about the Kodak Theater. But, you know, we love movies. Movies of 2000, July 10th to the 16th. I did so much research and watched so many great films from this roster. I didn't get a chance to go back and watch. Uh, oh, wait. No. This, I don't want Sunshine. Am I thinking of the right one? No, the, that's what I wrote specifically. Sunshine, oh, okay, not yeah. that one, the other one. Dan, not Danny Boyle's Sunshine, thank God. Not Danny Boyle's Sunshine. This is 1999's to Sunshine, which is like a Canadian, French, German, Hungarian co-production. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally coming out in the States in 2000, starring uh, Ray Fiennes, Rachel Weiss, Rosemary Harris, Jennifer L., who's Rosemary Harris's daughter. And then they like play the same character over many years. It's Ooh. this giant, epic historical epic about this hungarian jewish family through generations so if you're into like yeah big family drama over time you know where it goes from like being part of the austro-hungarian empire up through like the communists and world war ii and world war one and all this big stuff happening then you know this is your jam and it's filmed in in budapest and it looks really pretty Mm. but this is the kind of thing ray fines was making for a really long time (laughs) Wow. And he's always good, and they're always watchable if you're in the right PBS kind of mood. Mm-hmm. But and, I know a lot of people aren't, so we can move on. Uh, I'm going to little plug here. Diana's on this week's Laser Time, where we have a quiz based on certain sound effects that happen post-credits. Uh, that's the show where we pick a new pop culture topic. I've always flirted with the idea of the rare times that magazines have been spun off into films. <laughs> <laughs> And this is one of the last times that will occur with Heavy Metal 2000. Um, if you were listening to a couple weeks ago, I recently watched Heavy Metal 1981 version. Uh, I, I love that that movie released on VHS and DVD in, I think, in, in the late 90s, mm-hmm. introducing it to a whole new era of generation of stoners and animation fans. <laughs> And got a new movie greenlit on a magazine that surprisingly to me still exists. I had no yeah. idea. Heavy mm-hmm. metal. You might remember the South Park parody of it featuring a lot of titties and swords. <laughs> it's hilarious. You always think she's about to show you her tits, but she never does. <laughs> it's it's the most it is the it's most your one-way ticket to midnight. It is, it, it is it is the most horny male written thing I've every time they introduce any woman, they can we fuck now? Yeah, this is how it happens in my story. <laughs> uh, it, it's it, Heavy metal is wonderfully ridiculous. I didn't know its origins were, you know, we've always had stringent uh, censorship laws in America uh, and not so in England. And it was a way to publish French and European comics in a magazine that didn't have the comic restrictions. 
So that, yeah. that's where I heavy metal we comes have, from. We don't have, it's not censorship, it's delineation. You have yeah. to separate what's for kids and what's yeah. for adults. Right. What's and, readily available and what's not. Which will seem and dumb to anyone under com- 20, but like comic books yeah. were. Comic a, book with yeah. titties, they don't know what the hell to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in so France, he- yeah, that's cool. Heavy metal, the original, is this wonderfully beautiful yet garish and ugly and terrible <laughs> it's just awesome i love it but it's so stupid i love it and this is just an adaptation of one big giant story and it went straight to video and it's been kind of forgotten but it had a heavy metal had multiple video games out during this period and oh, it's kind of astonishing for a brand that i never hear anyone talk about i was astonished to find out it still existed publishes a couple issues every year editor-in-chief is Grant Morrison, who wrote New X-Men and In- Invisibles and some other stuff that I like. Uh, yeah, and it, it releases this week. Um, it probably got a small theatrical release. Uh, mm-hmm. I, just, I just find it astonishing that it, it found it found a new generation of people on home video in the late 90s and gets a new movie. Despite, like, I had never heard of this brand or thing until the VHS release of Heavy Metal. The one with the silver background that almost every guy I know owns. Yeah. Uh, but it is... Where it's not the same world because, like, not not being a comic book doesn't automatically justify you getting a movie because the movie um, that Heavy Metal re- releases itself up against is the movie that starts that. Yeah, uh, if they had waited one year on yeah. Heavy Metal, yeah. they would have been in a different position because, yeah, yeah uh, it, it was interesting. Like, people say, "Oh, comic book movies." Well, they've been they've been so many comic book movies. God damn it. And it was interesting going back when we talked about Batman in 89, mm-hmm. seeing like, okay, this is the harbinger of what's to come. It's not an 80s movie. Mm-hmm. It's not like Superman. It looks very ahead of its time of where these comic book movies would go. Mm-hmm. And here we are 11 years later, and I think we can draw a pretty good line of this is where it really starts. Yeah, but it's it's like... Comic book movies all the goddamn time. Here's, I, I wish I could talk smarty like about it but like the exponential increase of everything we endure all the time the x-men have half there are half the amount of x-men movies as there are marvel movies even though the x-men have we are celebrating the 20th anniversary of the x-men films even though they're not a thing anymore in all probability it made half the amount of films as the marvel cinematic universe did in half the time because it took like 10 years for hollywood to get the message i think people want to see their favorite childhood heroes or these heroes that kind of uh, follow us into adulthood on the big screen. And and, and not just that, introduce them to people who would poo-poo reading comic books. I've never read comic books. I didn't know shit about the X-Men except there was a cartoon. I didn't know I literally had never heard of Iron Man when I walked into that movie. Take what people like about this and introduce it to a new audience. Show them that it's not stupid slap fights with goofy characters and ridiculous outfits like x-men is a is about uh racism yes mm-hmm. yes it so, uh it is explain ri- that it is written very the movie is written very clearly uh shepherded by the now terrible brian singer but he mm. like no i i made i made the x-men uh the tone is how i f- feel being a gay man in america and yeah. the idea of being out or outed by a society that hates me. And mm-hmm. it's not that those themes weren't present in the X-Men, but the time I started reading X-Men and watching the cartoon, it was just fun. It was, it was just fun and everyone was colorful and awesome. And the, the cartoon, it turns out deserves a shitload of credit. Not just when you ask kids who think, who say they're into X-Men, who your favorite X-Men are, they're all the lineup of the cartoon. 
that uh, came out in 1992. It was so successful, a serious adaptation of good comics for cartoons in a Hanna-Barbera world. The X-Men cartoon is excellent. It Because it aired on Fox, they're like, I think there's something to this. We should make an X-Men movie. And it took over a decade to, <laughs> to like, uh, to the X-Men cartoon helped Fox like uh, accelerate the process. And even then it took another five years. And mm-hmm. reading about it is fascinating because if you've been dying to see these characters on screen forever, watching them like, well, you have this much budget, so we got to cut this character out. He's completely made of fire. <laughs> this, they, they, the process of cutting characters out of X Men to make this comparatively really small group of heroes uh, had to do with like, now nah, we can't do that. Give a, uh, give a, uh, give Jean Grey all of Beast lines. We're not going to have an all blue guy. Uh, we're not going to be able to afford an all blue. Guy. <laughs> Seriously, that's that's Plus, how that's Kelsey how this Grammer's works. asking for way too much. <laughs> uh, and, and and I'll never forget this because if you read. Uh, Sin Escape and stuff like that. They're like, our dream casting for X-Men at the top every time for a decade, Halle Berry a storm, Patrick Stewart as Professor Xavier. And really? That's, and, yes. Nice. And, and, and so it always fluctuated. That's the funniest thing. I, this was in production so long. I think there's a, we have a laser time about, we talk about Spider-Man's journey to film and how mm. like Stan Lee basically quit his job at Marvel Comics to represent Marvel movies and went out to Hollywood and failed to really get anything Done for a long time, but talked to a lot of people like James Cameron and uh, and almost got stuff done. But the original X-Men movie, instead of Halle Berry and Patrick Stewart, it was supposed to be Angela Bassett and Bob Hoskins as Wolverine, which delights Whoa. me to no end. Wow. Bob Hoskins. And, and yeah, you are. Angela Bassett could totally. Sell yeah, her. that to me is like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. You, yeah. and, and, she could do it tomorrow. And it's, it's, it's bizarre to think about, like, when they announced Hugh Jackman is being cast on the recommendation of Russell Crowe, who turned it down. They went to Hugh Jackman. And everyone's like, no, he's too pretty and too tall because Wolverine was sort of like a buff Danny DeVito, a tiny, <laughs> uh, a tiny, hairy uh, dude who drank and smoked a lot. And and Hugh Jackman was too handsome. And now it's just like, really? Would, who who would you prefer now as Wolverine? He is the perfect Wolverine. But yeah, it's a little, indelible. A little bit of the trailer. I, I think a lot of the a lot of people were made famous or more famous from Every person in this movie, Rebecca Romaine Stamos, <laughs> Bruce Davidson, James Marsden, Famke Jensen, Halle Berry, Anna Paquin, Ian McKellen, Hugh Jackman, and Patrick Stewart in X-Men. This summer, welcome to the future. Prepare for the next generation of adventure. Fight with us. Are you sure you're on the right side? Trust a few. <laughs> Beware the rest. Men. I actually go outside in these things. What would you prefer? Yellow spandex? Oh, so glad that was in the fucking trailer. <laughs> I hate those fucking winks uh, to yeah, like, Ugh, yeah. our concept is so dumb. Why are we even making this movie? Yeah. Uh, but but the I watched this last night. This is still excellent. Yeah. I watched it this weekend. I, I still loved it. Like, this was my first introduction to a lot of comics. Like, I... And I've I've never read comics as a child. It just wasn't part of my wheelhouse. And then as I got older, I started to really enjoy the idea of comics more and more and like started to read a little bit more here and there. And I can trace it directly back to this X-Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, This it, is what got me interested. It's important to remember, and I feel like I've 
talked about this in too many podcasts, but in case you didn't recognize X-Men, Spider-Man is Marvel's most popular hero, but the mm-hmm. X-Men were fucking everywhere. They got the cartoon <laughs> show uh, during the 90s before Spider-Man did. They got all the video games. They had all the merchandise. They got the theme park land before anyone else did. They did? Which... Yeah, they're a big part of Islands of Adventure. Oh, okay. But but the X-Men were, were massive, 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 massive. And during Marvel's worst financial period, they the, the, when I read about them talking about uh, selling Sony the rights to Spider-Man, and Sony's like, sure, we'll option Spider-Man. They, they said, how about this? How about for an extra $20 million, you can have all the Marvel characters. That's how desperate the company was. Wow. And, mm. and Sony's like, nah. We don't see anything becoming of that. They said no, but but the the deal they ended up striking with Fox ended up giving them Marvel much less money than they could make, obviously now making their own movies with their own production studio, but also a share of the merchandise. So growing up as an X-Men fan, seeing this movie and seeing it be a success is also marred by what this did to X-Men in the comics. I believe Chris mm-hmm. Claremont, one of... Uh, the shepherds of the X-Men series. I think he's the creator. He said there's a, there was a mandate in comics. You can not create or introduce any new characters of any kind in X-Men because Fox will automatically own them and be able to do whatever they want with them. And you would, and then target started selling shirts with famous pictures where they would remove Cyclops and Wolverine from things. And they've had to behave. And obviously if you're a fan of the movies, they've had to behave separately. Whereas in the comics, they never fucking did. And still don't. They can still do whatever they want in the comics, but it this trajectory of Marvel has hurt a lot of Marvel fans because of how good this fucking movie is. And it, X2 is way, way better. Yeah. 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 I, I hold X2 as, as sort of the, the standard for superhero movies in general. Dark Knight mm-hmm. Return or Dark Knight has to, is like in its own category. Right. Mm-hmm. It, but the, generally like, speaking, if it, X2 or Spider-Man 2... Spider Spider Man One is so much more embarrassing compared to X Men uh, One, <laughs> and, 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 and like, and it would never have happened had X Men not been the smash that it was. Mm-hmm. Directed by Prime Singer, and I love this. Co-written by David Hayter, voice of Solid Snake, Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just I'm looking at like the development hell this is in, and it's like I want to read every version of every script yeah. before this got made because. Andrew Kevin Walker took a stab at it. The guy who wrote Seven, John Logan, who wrote Gladiator, Joss Whedon, Michael Shaban took a stab at it. What? Ed Solomon, who's I mean Bill and Ted, I tend to think of him. Christopher McQuarrie, who at that point had written Usual Suspects, and he's the guy who's in charge of Mishpas now. Tom yeah, Cruise's yeah, yeah. boy. All of these people, I want to read their scripts because hell yeah, they're all oh, going to be crazy. I would love to read the Shaban script. Yes. <laughs> Which, by the way, he's doing a great job with Star Trek, with uh, Picard. So, obviously, he had it in him. And he wrote Cavalier yeah. and Clay, so he knows what he's talking exactly. about. Exactly. He, he knows his shit. And this, yeah. is, this is the mainstream introduction of Brian Singer coming off of Usual Suspects and At Pupil. And At I know, Pupil was his last one. Yeah. I, I know there's a lot of baggage now when we talk about Brian Singer, but I do... Mm-hmm. I oh, because he was molesting a boy while he was filming at Pupil? Uh, yeah. Before and after, yes. Like, uh, yeah. like there's a during. lot. Of, during. In between yes. shots. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, God. So he's, he's involved in a lot of terrible shit, but like, I do think w- the gay voice he brought to the X Men is really fucking interesting and holds up really well because there's not. You have to talk about it like that because we've, we've just lived the next 20 years with a lot of sympathetic villains. Mm-hmm. But. 
if you think of them, mutants, uh, as oppressed people, um, as people who can't control how they're, they're not bitten by spiders, they're born this way. And right. a, a government that wants to suppress them just for how they were born, Magneto's not a villain. He's just a different version of their champion. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's yeah, interesting. I forget who it was, if it was even like Jack Kirby or someone explaining that uh, Professor X and Magneto are like MLK and Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're, they're both oppressed. They just have a, they, they both have the same goal. They just have different ways of getting there, nonviolence yeah. and violence. And they get that from the beginning of the film. Even the second movie turns them into total frenemies. And, it, and, and Magneto's goal in the first X-Men is like, when everybody is gay, no one is! And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it, – it works. It still works. The worst thing about it are the fucking effects. Mm-hmm. I, the the intro sequence in the text alone, I didn't know if I was watching the first great Marvel movie or the opening to MTV's Undergrads. It is <laughs> it is it is a terribly dated open like opening sequence. Every single digital effect is in slow motion. Thing is not great. There's some clunky dialogue. I love Halle Berry's line to Toad. <laughs> I, what happens to a frog when it gets struck by lightning? That one. Yes, the same. I actually kind of like that because I, I can, just can you say the next? Can you say the next part, Diana? What happens uh, when a frog gets struck by lightning? Same thing as everything else. Yeah, thank uh, you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if she tossed the line away, people would make fun of it. <laughs> she she mm-hmm. says it like really serious, and <laughs> if she just said it like. Well, same thing as everything else. It is fucking it, lightning. It is one of the most weedy things that have, has ever weedened. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I have a ton of affection for the X Men. Obviously, a ton, like I'm just trying to. You know, my my girl is a little younger and a huge fan of the X Men through comics, but like I hated to see them like kind of have to sit out of their own fandom. Capcom didn't make Marvel versus Capcom first; they made X Men versus Capcom first. Uh, mm. Or Street Fighter. Do you know what mm. I mean? X Men was the big. It was the biggest deal in the Marvel universe uh, because of how colorful everyone could be, how weird their powers could be. They were all born this way, and society hated them. Uh, and and Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Every scene to me in this is iconic and a lot less silly than the stuff in the first Spider Man. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love put down the knives, sir. I can't. I, that might be the, from the second movie, but uh, <laughs> I, I think most people. We take for granted now this the scene of uh, like Xavier and Magneto talking in like a plastic cell is just fucking wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful, and it's something that I see parodied to this day. <laughs> well, we saw flavors of it in Mishpas too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you see it come up again and again. I mean, is so is this what brought Patrick Stewart back to us after TNG? I would say yes, yeah, but it, it hasn't been as yeah. long as you think at the end of TNG but like that's true but yeah Patrick Stewart I would consider him a household name he's at least peak royalty and oh well and I just I mean Patrick's Patrick Stewart is a man of all seasons I mean if you look at his career (laughs) he's been a household name for forever just by continuously doing populist things Mm -hmm. with great panache and great skill that elevates him I mean he was in Mm -hmm. I Claudius and then TNG and now he's in the X Men, and he's he elevates everything that he's in. And I want to give from... a, I want to give a shout out to to Ian McKellen because this is my introduction. Mm, yeah. This is my introduction to him, and yeah, it's not a lot of people's. It's not that he's gay, but when he says lines in certain ways, like is that what they say, and like that, the gay villainousness of Magneto is fucking excellent. 
I <laughs> love his take on Magneto. I also encourage people supporting the presidential administration's admini- uh, 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 immigration policies to watch the opening of the film because that's who are not supposed to be. And it's mm. and it like it literally opens with something the current administration is doing, and <laughs> thus creating its own supervillains, creating a generation of people who will hate you forever. And sorry, it has to be mentioned because every time I think about ripping a child away from their parents for reasons that they don't belong here, like that is the basis for everything bad that happens in the X Men. Mm. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. you fucking idiots, mm-hmm. you fucking idiots. Uh, but yeah, this movie. This movie rules. It, 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 all of these characters were so important to the X Men. I, I, I'm, I can't wait to see. I hate the Disney buying everything, but I cannot wait to see the X Men get to play with the MCU a little bit. And mm. and I do want to. I, I haven't been able to point this out anywhere. Uh, watch the as I do when I'm too hammered at three in the morning. I'll watch the last hour of Avengers Endgame and cry my eyes out while clapping <laughs> my wrists together like a little baby. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't seen a Marvel movie in over a year. The longest since before the X Men. This is we are living life before X Men right now. Wow! <laughs> In terms of our drought of Marvel movies, uh, we have never been this long without a Marvel movie. Is that because of Corona? Because I yeah. mean, when was Dark Widow supposed to come out? Um, or May. Black Widow. Yeah, Black Dark Widow. Widow. You can call Black it Dark Widow. Widow. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to come out in May. And yeah. it'll be interesting because, like, they had a plan and a roadmap. I, I shouldn't keep talking. We have so much to cover. But yeah. but X-Men <laughs> is is just wonderful. And I think it's shit on for how fantastic a follow-up X-Men 2 is. Mm. But, it, but, again, I always say that about Star Wars and Batman Begins, you cannot have a sequel that is allowed to hit the ground running with no origin story without a movie that does it well first. Those yeah. movies are good because they don't have to tell you the same story you've already heard again. Yep. All and, the groundwork's been done. And, yeah. So let's just get to it. And yet another My thing. One like, complaint. The, the I have ex- one complaint. Hold on. But like every Marvel movie, Marvel got to introduce the Avengers one character at a time. This movie pretty masterfully introduces you to everyone, everything, the premise of what mutants are mm-hmm. pretty elegantly in a single yeah. film. Well, yeah. Putting them all in a school together is the best way to do it. Yeah. You'd be like, I'm fire guy, I'm uh, ice guy, I'm weather girl. I believe that that that, one... there, that moment there is the last appearance of Jubilee. No, no, no. She's in one of the newer movies that I don't like. Okay, no. sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. My one complaint is Hugh Jackman is so normal body-wise mm-hmm. in this. No. And he gets so jacked later. Yeah. I think you are spoiled by the specimen so that your husband is because most of us don't have veins sticking out of our muscles and pectorals while being completely yeah. hairless diana he is jacked in his first scene but he's it, jacked but he's still he's furry and he's looks like a jacked human and that's kind of like what what i like about the character <laughs> the idea that it's like he is indestructible and he can fuck you up so fucking bad but mm-hmm. he just looks like a buff dude at a bar yeah <laughs> like some, some of that weight's actually fat not muscle but he can still just mess you up because of how big he is oh and but not muscle big, just big. On the, Stout. On, uh, and then once you get later to like the Wolverine, my God, he looks like he's been inflated. Yeah, and, and veiny as shit. I, I did have as my last note, uh, I don't know why, but my, my lady, who's a, she has a collection of, it's how I knew I liked her, has a collection of, I think, 80 Logans in, in our room. Like a big oh, giant wild. display of uh, Logans. <laughs> and, and, and she'd never seen Logan. And we just watched Logan. <laughs> and uh, I... 
I think they they age up and kind of crustify Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart a little bit. Yeah. But X-Men 1 is a fucking modern movie in high definition. What watching these with a month in between them, it feels like 900 generations has, have occurred in their faces. Uh mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart doesn't look 50 or 40. He looks 20 or 19 Hugh Jackman (laughs) like seriously like if you if you've seen Logan recently you are the person I want most to go back and watch the original X-Men because like it's crazy I I think it is it might be one of the longest running film franchises I I, I do believe Hugh Jackman holds the record for playing the same character in a movie the most times if you really yeah if you adjust his cameos together there are 12 X-Men movies like two of which he doesn't make a unique appearance in and Hmm. and yeah, but I, I I love the X Men so much. I love them so much. Uh, I just love talking about the X Men. We'll move on to television, which is much less interesting. Wait a minute, Diana, was that on purpose when you said Hugh Jackman is a jacked Hugh man? No, I, I mean, oh yes. my god, I'm going to pretend it was. <laughs> I, is that the first time? That's not the first time also, I said as, that, I, but it brings no. me a lot of joy. I want someone to find it for me. I promise you, when Beavis and Butthead would watch television, every game show host had a name that was a masturbation reference, and I know there was a huge <laughs> Jackman in there. I'm positive. And I'm sure Hugh Jackman grew up with that kind of torment his whole life, which couldn't have well, made now it Now, even... Hugh Jackman is a jacked human, so... <laughs> um, yes, I welcome him coming out as a mutant. Uh, but uh, in 2000, of television, Jul- July 10th to the 16th, I thought this was funny. Talking about Whoopi Goldberg winning an Oscar for being a wonderful medium, we are introduced to John Edwards and crossing over with John Edwards. When you feel like society is getting smarter all the time, how do you explain a four-season syndicated and sci-fi channel show talk shows hosted by a fake psychic? Oh, because people are scared of death. I guess. Or or they miss their loved ones. They have every reason to... The audience has every reason to feel the way that they do. The person taking advantage of them should be flayed in public. Mm. I, I, I fucking hate this dude. I I really don't like someone like that. But anyway, that is out this week. Keenan and Kel has its finale, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is tragic for some of you, I believe. I thought, did we not cover this already? It involves one of one of the Keenan or the Kells moving away forever, oh. uh, I believe. Oh. I, I forgot. Well, I was 20 years old. Keen- <laughs> we all know what Keenan's up to, but uh, did you know that Kel is currently hosting a show on Sunday mornings on CBS called <clears throat> Unlikely Animal Friends? Oh, I did not. Oh. Yes. I would not have known that except for I was had to stay at a hotel last weekend and <laughs> turned on the TV on Sunday morning, and that was what was on, and it delighted me. It bu- I would watch that all the time. Does it ever bum oh, yeah. you out when like you, you get in a hotel and you're like you turn on like – abc at like one o'clock in the morning or ten thirty on a sunday and you just look like what the fuck is this who watches this why is this person i've never heard of a show i've never heard of a millionaire i hate this society sucks no it's okay there's a place for everyone i'm more bummed to find out that like uh i believe the story goes that keenan thompson and kel mitchell tried out for snl at the same time yeah, and cool. one of them made it and spoiler it went really well and <laughs> <laughs> that person kind is of tapped yeah historically tapped? unprecedentedly well and one one of them didn't huh isn't keenan like tapped to replace lauren is that is that i've never i, heard, like I would I've love heard that. that dude well, there nobody in the universe 
other than Lauren Michaels, knows more about sketch comedy than Keenan yeah. Thompson. Yeah, it, I feel like that is. I don't know where I heard that, but probably on a podcast or something. But that yeah, I mean, amazing. I think that's kind of the idea that Keenan's gonna is the chosen one. I, I'm not kidding. Good for him, Sarah. Yeah, it's a good call. Nothing could be better. I don't care if it's true or not. That is other than other than Tenet coming out eventually. That is the closest thing to a reason to live I've been given in like the last six <laughs> months. And that makes me very happy. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish I could tell you where I heard that from, but it's just been a fact in my brain for a while. Maybe. Oh, uh, and, and, and on the 15th of July, sorry for that pronunciation, uh, the, the, the Skies on Fire TV movie comes out with once yes. again, Aiden, is he going to be a coast to coast 302010 hero? Let's find out. Oh, back. Yeah. This All is right. Just a... Two, two, two John Corbett's. Yay. <laughs> it's. This is just a silly made-for-television movie that I just want to point out because we have a second Aiden sighting, as well as Josie Bissett, uh, Ben Browder, and Bradley Whitford, one Yay. of my crushes in high school. Oh, yes, the guy from Billy Madison. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in this one, as you can imagine, a hole in the ozone layer appears over Los Angeles and oh. uh, disaster ensues. I automatically thought of fire in the sky and just assumed alien so yeah i'm surprised yeah. nope the, in this case the uh the catastrophe comes from the humans <sighs> and oh I, I did have on the 16th mission hill the bill oakley josh weinstein uh a production uh show concludes on ah. wb or upn they left the simpsons to create their own animated program it ends not after one season after half a season <laughs> A portion of a season's worth of episodes and then gets a second life on Adult Swim. And I think Bill Oakley tweeted last week that, like, a Mission Hill reboot is on the way. And I don't – it's such a good concept. It's like a slapstick yeah. version of a, a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Like a brother who is required to take care of his much younger brother uh, in the middle of Hipster Central when his parents abandoned both. And hipsters are always fun to make fun of. Trust me, I was once one of you. <laughs> uh, now I, I do a lot of my own taxes and wear my glasses very low on my nose. And, Call it growing up. It's growing up, baby. Uh, but video games, again, well, we will talk way more in depth. I, don't, I just wanted to briefly mention that Final Fantasy 1 comes out 10 years to the day Final Fantasy 9 comes out. Whoa. And then in the next ten years, we get six more Final Fantasies. They, they kind <laughs> wow. of they, well numbered ones. That's not fair. And I love just saying Blaster Master blasting again. It's one of my favorite titles <laughs> for one of the worst things I've ever played in my entire life. It's a 3D version of Blaster Master. We streamed it on YouTube.com/LaserTime. Uh, it's one of the worst updates to something I revere I've ever played. Let's close out uh, to 2000 with AM Radio by Everclear. And I want you people to stick around because uh, I don't want to spoil exactly what we had to talk about, but. The kids want to get down in a cool way. Picture yourself on a beautiful day. Big bell bottoms and groovy long hair. Just a walking in style with a portable CD player. No, you would listen to the music on the AM radio. AM radio. Yeah, you could hear the music on the AM radio. 
Do you like Video Game Apocalypse and 30 2010? Well, the Laser Time Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two over at patreon.com slash laser time. We've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. And I really want to talk about this Combo Tribes, because in a weird yes. way, Combo Tribes sort of taught me how to read. I remember being very young in a summer camp, and we were at a bowling alley for a week. No one could really figure out what to call this game, and you know, without an internet or a caring adult, Combo Tribes, com- Coma Tribes, com- <laughs> Yeah, it was it was difficult. We all had different, and I've never, only until recording podcasts, have I heard anybody. A uh, combat tribes makes the most sense. What doesn't make sense is that this is a beat 'em up from Technos, the Double Dragon people, who yes. built us the beat 'em up. And this game has no jump. It has a dash yeah. knee move like Double Dragon. I just played this, obviously, but I I loved it. I love beat 'em ups, and this one is bloody and brutal. You can kick and punch people when they're down. You can slam clown's head into the pavement until blood splatters everywhere. I fucking love this game. And I, I will never forget like the ad campaign for it, which was like this comic book ad in EGM with like the main villain, Martha Splatterhead, who's like a hot blonde in a tight dress. It's like, oh, I'm, my gangs will take over the city. And like, not if the combat tribes, Berserker, Bulova, and Blitz can stop you. Yeah. And she's like, oh, come on, Blitz, you wouldn't hit a lady, would you? And then like the last frame is just this muscle man standing over a woman that he's just punched out, screaming, cyborgs ain't ladies. <laughs> So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 302010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Lasertime shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right guys? Yay! This is Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 10th through 16th, we got some. Oh, well, we always have recommends. Come on, I always make up something. Come on. 75 years ago this week, July 19th, 1945, saw the release of Anchors Away, starring Frank Sinatra, Gene Kelly, and I want to say Catherine Grayson's in that one. That one's fun, and it's got, you know, the, the dancing with Jerry the Mouse. I tend to prefer on the town the other gene kelly frank sinatra naval themed musical um also because that one is shot on location in new york so it's kind of cool to see things you know at the time but both of them are a lot of fun and just you know worth watching and then 50 years ago this week uh july 15 1970 saw the release of joe starring peter boyle directed by john g abelson before he made rocky boy is this an interesting one um it's a it's a thinker because it's kind of like Death Wish or Archie Bunker sort of kind of thing, but like ahead of its time in its darkness and that Peter Boyle plays this guy who just fucking hates hippies. 
he hates hippies to a point that he wants to go kill all the hippies. And he meets up with a guy who's mad about his daughter getting hooked on drugs with this hippie guy. And they go uh, to some very dark places. And it's a great movie about, you know, the generation gap and also reactionary politics of just not liking anything new or different and just painting everyone with broad brushes of just like they all have bad ideas because their hair. I don't like it. And it's uh, more than a little bit timely right now. So even though it's kind of a hard watch, uh, it's Joe from 1970. I think I'll recommend that too. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. the tech, I reattach it. Bulletproof fabric and a hand magic. Peace guard, I can't settle for average. My tactics, bag of actress, far from savage. Coming in with Hood Pride by Capone and Noriega off of the War Report 2, Report the War. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty funny title. Uh, welcome to 2010, July 10th to the 16th. Other new music releases this week include Crowded House's Intriguer. Intriguer? I got it. Uh, All Our Kings Are Dead by Young Gun. Stampede by Hell Yeah. Corn 3, Remember Who You Are by Corn. Uh, Statlanta by Stat Quo. Uh, and Admiral Fell Promises by Sun Kill Moon. I've never felt more dad like having to read the, any name but Corn in there. Uh, You've heard of Corn. I've heard, that's what I'm saying, other than them. California Girls by Katy Perry, Future Soup Dog is still number one. Boom! Welcome once again to 2010. And uh, I don't want to give anything away, but we have a really big TV show to talk about. Just kidding. Inception joke. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of news. Spain wins its first World Cup title ever, defeating the Netherlands in South uh, Africa. It also introduced a brand new instrument to the entire world. Uh, this is the. Speaking of big sounds, hit it! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, goodness. Speaking of big Bubazuela energy. Uh. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's, that's the. That's the young. <laughs> didn't mean to step on the Vuvuzela joke. That's how little the world was. We didn't know how an entire country celebrated soccer games. This was all news to people because of television. People caring about the World Cup for the first time in my lifetime. It does sound very similar to the Inception sound. Yes, um, yeah. I, I think they're related. I, I love. I mean, I love the World Cup, but I love the Vuvuzelas. Me too. Because if you just hear one playing, like I still hear them in my neighborhood sometimes mm -hmm. during like World Series time, stuff like that. And you just hear one, and it just sounds like a kid's toy horn. And then you put eighty thousand of them together, and it sounds like the most terrifying swarm of bees. Yeah is about to come and land and steal all the players and fly them into space. That's what the murder hornets sound like when they yes. come through. Like a boo-boozella. Oh. Ah, I love it. And also Spain won, and oh, my father-in-law was so happy. And, and we were cheering. As much as Iniesta. I... <laughs> okay. Uh, as done. much as I hate to mention other pop culture podcasts, Pop Culture Happy Hour launches uh, on the 16th, 10 years ago. I don't know that we had a ton of podcast news in terms of 10 years ago, but it's this is... We haven't had a lot, no. This is the beginning. It's it's a technology that existed for quite a while, but it started to refine itself, and a bunch of people started around this time, and I would say it's officially a thing in 2010, right? I can't remember exactly. Oh, 
We started ours in 2008. You know, we're a little yeah, but I mean, Nerdist is already going. WTF is already going. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. not every wrestler has a podcast yet. Uh, anyway, 2010. I'm not bitter at all. 2010, uh, July 10th through the 16th, movies. This is a movie Ooh, I have always been terif- terrified to see. You know who I love and I don't think gets enough credit? Jay Burrichell. Yeah. I think he's Ooh. fantastic. I think Goon is one of the, is the best sports movie of the last decade. Uh, <laughs> he wrote it, and I, I really like that guy when he shows up and shit. And this is like his, I would probably have to guess his biggest paycheck. A pre-Marvel and Star Wars Disney with Bruckheimer money. Mm. Nicolas Cage, Alfred Molina, Teresa Palmer, Toby Kale, Monica Bellucci, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Once again, no, not that one. On July 14th, the magic comes to life. Ah! We have some work to do. Disney and the producers of National Treasure. You are going to be a force for good. We invite you to join one unlikely hero (laughs) in the most spellbinding adventure of this summer. This is crazy. But it is fun. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. This this looks awful. It was reviewed like shit. Oh, my God. Oh, it looks so I, I've been terrified good. to watch this, and it, it seems like it should be a good hate watch, but Probably. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. No, we got way better movies to talk about. Uh, yeah. I, I, I uh, barely want to acknowledge this exists. Oh, the next movie, I, I, I saw this, and I totally forgot until this moment, even though I went through the talks pretty significantly. Matt Walsh, Catherine Keener, Marissa Tomei, Jonah Hill, and John C. Riley and Cyrus. I'm like Shrek. What are you doing here in the forest of Shrek? John met the woman of his dreams. Then he met her son, Cyrus. Are you going to stay the night? I think that's between you and John. Don't pork my mom. <laughs> Rolling Stone raves. Cyrus is killer funny. Night, John. Actually, your mom's in the shop. I did not see this, never mind. Uh, <laughs> but John C. Riley as a potential stepdad to Jonah Hill... I need to see this. Mm-hmm. I need to see this. Um, I remember when it came out. Would would it be accurate to classify this as mumblecore? I feel like it is because okay. it's the Duplass brothers, uh, and that's like oh, my complaint. Is I I like down to earth movies about like relatable characters and and you know the interesting things they go through, and I feel like these characters are just so they're just kind of blank and what was going to happen ended up feeling really predictable to me. And I just sort of walked out of it feeling like, Oh, they're so normal that I don't give a shit. (laughs) Uh, And I think you should be more upset. You ladies out there. Mm. It is not going to do anyone any favors. If for some reason in this day and age for the next decade, Marissa Tomei has to represent middle-aged women. That is that is not God. that is not fair at all. I keep seeing no. her pop up in old lady roles, including in the new King of Staten Island. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is one of the most beautiful women ever. You cannot keep like, oh, I'm just a quirky sixty year old looking to retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marissa Tomei, I like you so much. And yeah. here's here's where we get into it. Oh my God, let's um, go for it. A that... movie on on the Lace Time episode about mm-hmm. best films of the decade. Mm-hmm. I put this one on there. Mm-hmm. I think this is literally one of the best movies of the 2010s. And I believe I went and rewatched it in a double feature with another 2010 movie. And they're both about finding the man what shot my paw. It turned into a weird, weird night. But I'm going to bat for this one. Hell uh, yeah. I, I, 
I had to rethink about this because when we did that episode, it's still haunting me right now because of the two movies we're talking about. I didn't count 2010 as a movie of that decade because we were recording in 2020. It just like I'm like fuck. I messed this up. I I, I didn't even so I didn't even consider Winner's Bone, and I didn't put the one I really wanted in there. And mm-hmm. I believe if a spoiler for that episode, if you hadn't listened, to it, it's really fun having to debate yeah. and vote on the best movies of the decade. Yep. Either Kevin had this too, or like he's like, yeah, you can take two off my list. I want Winner's Bone. <laughs> that movie was yeah. fucking rad. Uh, Dale Dickey, Garrett Dillahunt, John Hawks, and Jennifer Lawrence in Winter's Bone. Jessup signed over everything. If he doesn't show a trial, see, the way the deal works is y'all gonna lose his house here. We got some place to go. I'll find him. Girl, I've been looking. I said I'll find him. <laughs> I really want to watch this again. God damn it. Oh, man. So I put off watching this for so long because I thought that that just based on the trailer, like, this is just Appalachia misery porn, basically. <laughs> and it is right. not that. I mean, no. you dif- it's difficult. You see difficult stuff. Yeah. It's so good and it's so much more um compelling and it's just so much more than that yeah there's a, there's, yeah there's no, a, it's yeah it's it's not hillbilly precious yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. It, yeah exactly it's, it has a hell or high water undercurrent but it, at, it, at, oh, its, yeah. at its core it's like a fucking hillbilly noir it, yeah mm-hmm. it's a mystery yeah she she is detecting a mystery and this is definitely i mean besides that it's a great movie it's the movie that absolutely Broke yeah. Jennifer Lawrence wide open. If everyone mm-hmm. saw this, and was like, "Holy shit! Where has she been? Because she is perfect." I have it. In, I have it in my notes. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is in her thirties, but J Law is ten years old this week because this is yeah. her introduction. Yes, other than you, Jeff Foxworthy show fans, for people watching yeah. that sitcom, this mm-hmm. is this introduces her to the world with a wonderful bang. It's such a cool movie to like this to be her launch. Uh, the thing that launches her because it's just yeah. so holds up so well. It yeah, really, really does. So um, she's a, a poor girl in rural Missouri. Uh, her mom is mentally checked out. She's taking care of her younger siblings and her dad has gone missing. And then the bail bondsman shows up and says, yeah, he's supposed to show up for trial, but he put his house up for collateral. So if he doesn't show y'all are homeless and they have zero money and they have not a lot of hope. And so she's got to go find out what the hell happened to her dad? Mm-hmm. And it's not even like, is he dead or alive? She figures out pretty quickly, oh, he's probably dead because of his involvement with the meth business. But she needs to get proof of that somehow. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, they're going to think he just skipped bail and they're all going to be homeless. Mm-hmm. And so she has to go hunt down a lot of seedy characters. And the whole time she's planning on like joining the military because that way she'll get some money and maybe take care of the, her brother and sister but they're too young to like go and live with her and just all of her options keep getting closed off and closed off mm-hmm. and all she needs to do is just someone just I, I'm not out for revenge just I just want to keep my fucking right. house She's, okay she has everything to lose and almost nothing to gain it's like heartbreaking right. to watch yeah she's and, like I didn't do this my mom didn't do this mm-hmm. like you you guys settled your score with my dad I just need, I I swear to God, I am not going to turn the law on you. I'm not going to come after you. Just please. And they're like, no, if you found out what happens, then your Uncle Teardrop's going to come after us, which is very likely because John Hawks is amazing in this movie. Oh, he's so good. I love that. This man. is the first time I actually 
saw John Hawks in something that like I was like, oh, hmm. this actor is very intriguing to me. Oh, I am into you, this. You didn't watch Deadwood? He, he was on was Deadwood. Where he's I like, watched Deadwood. Or he's like such a sweet natured guy, and here he's he has one of the scariest lines ever oh, yeah. for me. There, there's, I mean, he's got this amazing standoff with a cop. But there, there's a point where he tells, you know, someone's like, you should help her. And he's like, I already told you once to shut up with my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that is, I'm going to leave now. That is bone chilling. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Winter's yeah. bone chilling. Winter's bone chilling. <laughs> Agree. Yeah. So, yeah, this is like my favorite kind of like indie movie character piece so much more than Cyrus because there is a plot. Mm-hmm. It's a mystery. But we also learn so much about so many characters where they're from, what they care about, uh, how they got here, where they think they're going, where they're really going. Mm-hmm. Oof. It is, yeah, it's not a slog. It's an enjoyable watch. It absolutely but, is. But it'll give you chills. Yeah, I, I want to I wanna watch this again immediately. after, Especially yeah. after <clears throat> the 2010. It's streaming a bunch of places, I think. Yeah. Um, shit. I, I didn't mean to. I, I wrote a couple of those down. X-Men, I thought it was odd. Uh, you can watch X-Men. Uh, all the uh, not all the X Men movies. It's odd that it's it's part of HBO Max, which I just stole my parents' password, and uh, <laughs> uh, and I think this next movie should eventually land on HBO Max as well, uh, because I am pissed I didn't bring this up for my movie of the decade. I thought it didn't qualify. Tom Berenger, <laughs> I always forget that. Michael Caine, uh, Delip Rayo, uh, uh, Tom Hardy, Ken Watanabe, Marion Cotillard. Uh, Alan Page, Killian Murphy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Leonardo DiCaprio in number one at the box office, Inception. I can access your mind through your dreams. It's called Inception. The seed that we plant in this man's mind may change everything. We should walk away from this. It's not a part of the plan. You're not prepared for this. Ready PG-13 theaters and IMAX July 16th. Mm. As we're mm. currently, Oof. if you're like me, you're sitting here waiting for Christopher Nolan to save all movies. The man, with, <laughs> the only director with enough power to say whether or not his movie will release in where, where and when his movie will release. It, oh, he is the person that is probably directly influencing whether or not AMC is still a business. He, he literally <laughs> is. Because everyone's else like, fuck it. We need to make money off this movie. Cut the cut our losses. Release it on on, on demand. And mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan's like, push the release sake back for two weeks. I'm not releasing. This is going to IMAX or nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel fun. like he's practically the only filmmaker who can still write his own ticket yep. across the board. Yeah. Where it's like... I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be about some mind-bendy, trippy shit. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. But you have to give me $160 million. And mm-hmm. a bunch of big stars will show up just because they want to know what the hell is going on. And I'm not going to tell anybody. And, and then I'm just going to release the movie. Including Leonardo DiCaprio, who wouldn't do anything with Christopher Nolan up until this point. But, he, he said well, he, Christopher Nolan had courted him for everything from Batman to The Prestige. And mm. Leo said no. And read this and like... Okay, this is weird. <laughs> I like this. I, and I, again, if we talk about actors being marks of quality, Leonardo DiCaprio, man, like mm-hmm. this, uh, this from here on out, uh, everything he chooses is worth watching for the most part. Even prior to this. Yeah, it, even yeah. prior to this. 
And, I mean, and this, but this begins the love affair with Tom Hardy with Christopher Nolan. He'll be in almost everything he does after this. And, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. And and just I watched this a few weeks ago. I watched this last night. Um, I was utterly floored. I am pissed. I didn't nominate this for movie of the decade. I thought for some caveat I built in my head, it didn't qualify. And sometimes yeah, I remember you, mentioning once we got through the list. I'm like, I'm really surprised no one mentioned inception and i thought was, i thought someone the, just starts saying i fucking hate inception i'm like well i'm glad i didn't bring i it thought the o's <laughs> were the uh the o's were the beginning of the, the decade not the end but then mm. we're do, we were recording it in 2020 so it only made sense to recur never mind sorry no. this is something Zero I'm, I'm, nine, man. I'm kicking myself yeah. for it because we were the laser time facebook community was just talking about their favorite in theater experiences and like this is one of the greatest movies of my lifetime that experiences that i've ever had and I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think it's the best Christopher Nolan movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. I think it is. And, and part of that, what's the opposite of nostalgia? Like, I, I currently resent the era that we're in. This has like indie primer vibes with a hundred mm. in, with a $200 million budget. Nobody will ever, ever be able to make anything like this again. Unless it's based on something that already made hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. Like I said, Christopher Nolan's like the mm-hmm. only guy who can just like, I've come up with a crazy ass idea mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everyone just hands him money and says, yeah, go do that thing. And I thought, I thought it was interesting that he had this idea kicking around in his head and first pitched it uh, in, the, in the 2000s or, or like in 2000 or 2001, because it is Sarah's assertion on the matrix that it's, it's very talky <laughs> gobbledygook and mansplainy. This is the most mansplaining movie ever. The one woman in it yeah. is, is kind of there to have everything explained to her. Yes. You, you'll get why, uh, but it, it, it's still awesome. Like to be able to create yes. in the span of two and a half hours to create this concept and sell it so beautifully and then build off of it and surprise you with a premise that's my, my dad. I talked to my dad. And he's like, oh, I. I walked into that movie and like I didn't get anything and I didn't understand anything from the <laughs> beginning and I re- I forget that the beginning is fucking complicated. So it, yeah. here's I think why the because so I saw it when it came out mm-hmm. and then I watched it again today. Mm-hmm. So I was actually watching it right up until we first started recording and um, Sam has seen it a bunch of times mm-hmm. because he loves Christopher Nolan. This is like one of the movies he just puts on to kind of have in the background stuff. Mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why it is confusing, especially at first, is that the world that he creates is so realistic, but also we're supposed to, I guess we're supposed to already know that the idea of extraction and going into dreams is a thing that everyone in the world knows about. Right. You know I, I think there's a version and of this movie. Second there's a version of this there. movie titled The Extractor Somewhere, because that's their job. Yeah. Their job is extracting. I had to stop Sam for a second while we were watching it and just be like, wait a minute. Is this the world where, like, everyone just knows what extraction is and it's just kind of one of those things that people do? Like, because anyone he talks to, they already seem to know what he's talking about. And I think that's part of the confusion is that, like, it's such a novel idea and Mm -hmm. it's so kind of beyond what, like, we kind of think of as science fiction, which this is, that, like, it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around, like, this looks like our world, except for they also have this thing that happens. Yeah, but you need, I, 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 lo- I love watching it in, in 2020 eyes where you have to think about this process. Like this is such a high level and expensive corporate tactic, a shady, dark money corporate mm-hmm. tactic 
you, it'll take the public 10 years to learn that it exists through an expose in, in an article that will no doubt result in lawsuits. I love well, that because there are, there are no heroes in this movie. No, that, that was one of the other things that I was like, oh my God, I, I didn't realize that when it first came out. I think part of the time we're in warrants a, another watching of this because everything that the characters are going through, mm-hmm. the mission they're on is capitalism. It's just <laughs> it's, money. It's like, yeah. this gross. rich guy wants to steal this other rich guy's riches. Yeah. That's all it is. And it's, like, it's, I, love, I love Ken Watanabe's speech. Like, we are the two leading organizations in the world. If we do not murder them, we will not survive. I'm like, yeah. what, did, what have we done? <laughs> what have good. we done? Like, How can you imagine that? Pepsi pleading, like, if Coke doesn't get murdered, we won't be able to make any more money? <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah. So that part is like, eh. no, no, I, I, I think, I think, the, I think the criticism is sort of there, but like, I, I also think Christopher Nolan wants to make a big, good looking movie with fancy suits in nice places. And, mm. and 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 some of these are not. I, I love the globe trotting nature oh, yeah. of, of this movie. Yeah. And, and right. when you learn that, like even even the weird limbo, I'm I'm, a, I'm talking to everyone like they've seen it. There are things to spoil, but like mm-hmm. oh, the, yeah. the movie's so rich and, and is, I, is, is is so capable of being enjoyed no matter what you know about it. That yeah. th- they said like yeah we were shooting in Morocco and like I just I assumed I assumed. I wrote it down. Is this the most CG in any Christopher Nolan movie? And when, of course, when I look into it and like anything that doesn't have to be CG isn't, we will build a fake beach on a Moroccan city (laughs) to make it look like they're walking into a broken city. Yeah. The hallway on, on the 360 gimbal so it can rotate with the camera rotating Mm -hmm. with it. I love that. There, so there much. is nothing it's cooler than that sequence in I've ever, I, yes, that is one of the best scenes, orchestrated scenes I've ever seen filmed in my entire life. And that mm-hmm. it's all JGL. And he's like, I even like rewound it three times. Like, I love that he's like not perfect. And he like slips a little bit because okay. it's, it's, yes. he's yeah. unprepared. And like, that's how this would work. It's a fucking beautiful shot. And it's Let's mesmerizing. JGL a little bit. He a hundred percent needs to be in more movies, and he definitely needs to be in more action movies. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't count you as an action movie looper because you sucked. Um, <laughs> Looper's great. What are you talking about? I like Looper. Well, I like a lot of Looper. Eh. Right. It also that wasn't his face. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the JGL is so good in this. He's he's my favorite character for sure, and I think he. If we go back, he hosted the uh, SNL like maybe a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. in our timeline. And he does that amazing opening where he's literally doing like wall runs and flips. Right. We just make him laugh. Yeah. It really leads me to believe that he's doing all of the stunts, all the fight work here. Yeah. Uh, Probably. Yeah. Yeah, But there's there's not a ton of fight work. It's like just Mm -hmm. that sequence and then the zero grav stuff. Yeah. And and this movie has – I was shocked to learn in Japan, they label the level of dream on the screen in the top right Aww. corner that they're in the whole time. Well, yeah. I, I like, I, dude, I am as dumb as they come. We're gonna put out a Last of Us uh, video game apocalypse spoiler cast. I don't realize a ton of incredibly important things about this thing that I've. I'm not only watching, like I'm inputting the buttons <laughs> to make things move. I am mm. very, very dumb. <laughs> I, I got this movie 
every step of the way. I thought it was masterful in how yeah. he built the, the the opening is admittedly confusing, but it made me pay attention to every detail more. And mm-hmm. and and I think this movie is brilliant. I think this is one of the best movies that has been made in my lifetime. Yeah, agreed. I, and, yeah, I think it's great. I have the, you know, I have some nitpicks with it. Uh, there there's some things that seem sort of inconsistent or weird or just you know the idea of limbo but it's like but you still have a physical body like you keep for like you're trying to convince me mm-hmm. that you're actually in this place when no you're a physical body sleeping somewhere and then there's these multiple dream levels and the time moves differently in each one so like 10 years in limbo is actually like 14 minutes no, they, or i, I, I actually like wanted that. them to address that more because like uh in the dream they don't talk about well do you naturally sleep in a dream why would mm. you need to do that? So mm-hmm. you've you've been living in limbo the equivalent of fifty years without sleeping. Mm. Um, you you should be far more insane than this, or or, <laughs> or or maybe you went to the edge of insanity and came back fifty maybe? years in the same I body. Mean, yeah, a lot of this, uh, but a lot of things that I know people didn't like, they nitpicked, they thought was confusing and all that. I can, I I will accept a lot more you know quote unquote plot holes if a movie has some fucking new ideas in it mm-hmm. and th- this one does i, I, think I don't it's, think it's it's, flawless, it's not about it's not about plot but at holes least it's got a lot of things for me to think about i think you can, in yeah. different ways i think you can poke poke holes in its logic but yeah. its consistency and and like what it establishes like everything you encounter are something you already know the rules about well, it's awesome. Sort of. They have but to lay out a lot of rules. I know, but in the, in, yeah. it's like the Matrix in that sense. There's a lot of mansplaining sequences. But mm. still not enough. And that's why, like, so we're going to talk about the last scene real quick, and I'm not going to sure. give anything away. But There's nothing the to give away. Scene, there, there are four possible outcomes, and you can pick which one you want. The last scene <laughs> ends on a question mark, yes, and right. basically. And um, to me, like, the whole movie is about – dreams and dream logic and what happens in your dreams and i am like fortunate enough to be someone who i dream a lot and i all i almost always remember my dreams when i wake up and so i usually tell sam immediately even while he's still asleep so i remember (laughs) them i dream a ton and so i came away from this movie the first time i watched it thinking like this was wonderful this is a great ride but uh i don't there's holes here I don't really get. Like, how does this work? If this works, da da da. da. And today, I, when I rewatched it, I kind of took the position of if the last scene is interpreted a certain way, then dream logic doesn't, then dream logic applies. And mm-hmm. the holes that exist and what you think is not being explained or whatever that's because that's what a dream is. Like, right. all of a sudden, like your next door neighbor has the face of your fourth grade teacher, but it's still your mm. next door neighbor. Like that's dream logic. Like all of, so, all, all of a sudden you come into you consciousness that, and you're walking on the street of a European city you've never been to, but seem to know everybody on. I, right. I think this is a, if you mm. accept that, then you can kind of watch the movie in a different light of like these holes just exist the same way holes exist in our dreams mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. this is just happening. And I just know what it is. And I don't know why I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, most complaints uh, that I hear from people are are those sorts of things, where it's mm -hmm. it's just like an internal logic problem. And yeah, if you're talking about dreams, then that that yeah, I don't I don't see that I don't see that at all. In like all of them, when you see people who who research dreams talk about this film, like no, that's yeah, that's kind of how it works. Like it doesn't it doesn't really 
make a ton of sense. It's our it's our brain defragging every day's information in concepts and schemes and algorithms that we can understand. It's why it doesn't make sense to people when you think your dream should be a coherent story. Mm. Yeah. It, it's Yeah, but then I like the idea that not only, you know, are we we're watching a film that is applying dream logic and trying to have characters work within a dream logic to do a job that, I mean, a lot of people have pointed out the team is basically a film crew. No, Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan did. He said it was on and purpose. This, oh, really? Yeah. The, you know, you have a writer, a producer, an actor. A cinematographer. <laughs> a cinematographer. And, and their roles are to make all this production happen. And it is yeah. excellent. I was baffled by the idea, rewatching it again, why the Japanese would need a label to say what is taking place where, because like, I don't know, like you, you see, like, they told you how this broke down. Like we can spend one hour here, three minutes here, one minute here. This one mm-hmm. moves in super slow-mo. This one, we won't show you what JGL does for like five minutes at a time because he only has three minutes of screen time in the second level of the dream sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, and when I, and when you get to the end of the movie, and Killian Murphy, the guy they're infiltrating, is riding a snowmobile and a machine gun up into a mountain. <laughs> like, this is a dream. This is a beautiful, wonderful version of dreams. And then, I don't know if they established whether Limbo was the fourth layer, but, like, this is where shit gets too difficult to yeah. comprehend mm-hmm. for a human brain. Mm-hmm. And, and if you think your brain is really great, just describe to me how a computer works. You can't really do it. You, you just there's a bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of little things that you've come to understand about how your computer works. Well, I think one of the best things that Nolan does in this movie is setting up in the beginning the shot with all the elderly people Mm -hmm. all in the one room, all dreaming together. That's so cool. It it kind of sets the theme. Mm -hmm. Like these are other people that are experiencing the same thing that Mal was experiencing and and that blurs the line and this is kind of it kind of sets the the tone for what the danger is for everyone involved i i had a Mm -hmm. um i had an issue i I even talked to like a therapist about it that like uh for a while it felt like i stopped dreaming Mm -hmm. and uh recently i did and i sort of had to explain to my girlfriend like i can't go anywhere there are no new movies out, and I can't afford any new video games. J- my dreams have been vivid and entertaining. It's like it's it is. I have gone to sleep for no reason other than I want to dream something funny again. I I I, I had I that's ha- a gamble. I had a dream. I had I I, I don't want to call him out because he's a former podcast person, but it's Shane. I had a dream. I uh, <laughs> like we were hanging out and just having the same kind of conversations we would always have. And then his dad came in the room. Uh, to take a shit and refused to close the door and kept calling his, me and his son in there and it, and then he's like oh yeah me and my dad uh, we have a shit competition where we weigh our shits and and, and, like, and I'm just sitting there watching him and his dad shit and weigh it and like this is the best thing I've seen in like three months oh, and it was in my in own corner, head Leonardo DiCaprio is like god damn it yeah this is this is what we're doing this this, 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 this we are not prepared for this this was your responsibility. <laughs> Uh, I I think this movie is immaculate, and I, I, I like yes, you can poke holes in its fake logic. But yeah. why? Why would you just enjoy the, it? the movie sets yeah, up I rules mean, that it's it adheres to? And but, then when I it, mean, think about it in context with another Christopher Nolan movie, mm-hmm. Memento. Yeah, mm-hmm. in that they're 
both sort of about memory. Yeah. I feel like he came up with crazy ass ideas like back memento y times and and carried them forward and expanded them and stuff like that. Like, is it better to live in a memory or live for the future? Which would you choose? Like living in a happy limbo forever. And is limbo really so happy if you're alone and you can never grow as a person? And yeah, it's, there's a lot of living in the past going on. In yeah. This movie. Mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm delighted to learn he was inspired to start writing this while, when the matrix and dark city were coming out. That's what he, he was inspired by. Mm-hmm. And then, and then said, a lot of overlap there. according oh, to yeah. him said to himself, like, I do not have the experience or the wherewithal to pitch this to someone and sort of got to learn to make big budget studio movies with the help of Batman. And then once Mm. he was done with dark Knight, he completed the script in like a few weeks and got everything together. And like, no, no, it feels like Nolan movies don't come out very often, but he made a movie after every Batman every year. And they're Mm. all great. Mm -hmm. Even interstellar, you fucking Philistines. And <laughs> Ooh, inner cellar. Look, uh, you're examining things that like we don't almost every movie he's done that's not Batman explores an aspect of humanity we don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and and you at some point you can you can roll your eyes at it because these things have not been set in stone. No one's written the book on these things. The new movie apparently might have something to do with the experience of time. I don't know because it's cryptic as shit and wonderful. And I've never been so excited to see a fucking film in my entire life. (laughs) But I love, I love that a person is allowed to be out there making this stuff. And it, it makes me nostalgic for Hollywood surprising me like this right now. They can only surprise me if I'm watching a movie with an established character that's guaranteed to make money. There's no, Netflix will make movies that are like Inception. I don't think a studio will ever make a movie like this again. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Maybe Paramount. <laughs> well, they did. It's called Tenant. Probably. Just saying. But it's, it's, all based, it's all based on old clout. Whereas, like, I, I feel like there's something about Inception. Like, isn't this what we wanted our summer movies to be? Like, hmm. it, we did, we don't, I think there's room for it all, though. I, mean, I, I agree with you, but like because of the safety thing, it, it, we do live in a world of sequels and adaptations. And when you're dealing with an adaptation, you're dealing with an unoriginal story. And, and Marvel has been able to do wonderful things by doing new things with uh, unoriginal characters. But this was you have to marvel at being able to build a world like this in the span of three hours, introduce wild concepts to you, stay consistent, have you understand them, I understand if people are a little confused at first. And again, I think that's only because of the opening. If you mm-hmm. skip to like the first, like the second scene where they explain what they're doing, it all makes sense. But- well, and I think that it's one of those things where you have to take the brakes off and just kind of let yourself watch the movie and mm-hmm. take what they're saying for what it is and not try to poke holes in it, mm-hmm. which yeah, it's not generally the yeah. mark of a great movie, but this is a very great movie. So and it, it works. You need to be paying attention. This mm-hmm. is one of my worst movie watching experiences ever was when it came out on DVD. We were going to watch it with uh, my in-laws and my in-laws are like herding cats where they <laughs> are all supposed to be in one place at one time. They cannot manage to do that. You have to give them an extra half an hour. I, I know what you're it's talking like, about. Is that Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, did we not do the dishes? I'm going to do the dishes. You guys enjoy yes. this. Yeah. Yeah. So someone just gets up and walks off mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom and then comes back later 
And it's like, after they walked off two minutes later, someone else is like, oh, well, if she's going to the bathroom, I'm going to go put these plates away. I'm going to go make some coffee. No, 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 don't stop it. And then when they come back, well, you first you have to stop it, but they've, they've already lost their place because they're all distracted by other stuff. And everyone just keeps getting up and leaving, coming back, then asking a million questions and then saying, I didn't like that movie because I didn't get it. It's like, because you didn't pay attention the whole time you can't stop in the middle of a scene and then come back five minutes later and remember what was going on because there is a lot of talking and explaining if you didn't get inception oh it was awful if you didn't get inception i'm not calling you stupid but i will tell you inception is less difficult to understand than the matrix and if you got that movie Mm. you can get inception Uh, i don't know about that maybe matrix sequels no yeah no no the first movie is extremely simple yeah. Uh, I don't. Extremely I'm not sure that it is. Simple. It was one of the most complicated things Hollywood ever made, and has mostly talking sequences in it. I mean, okay, you're, maybe you're right. No, yeah, so ten I, years. I, I don't think so. second the, matrix. These people work inside the dreams. Complete. They can have dreams within dreams, and within every time you go in a deeper layer, time lasts a little slower. There's only like one sequence that they kind of explore that, and it's an it's excellently done. You can the fucking van falling off the bridge is. Mm-hmm. Might as well be a YouTube progress bar. But <laughs> it's awesome. It's it's immaculate. It, it, like I I didn't watch this movie wanting to exalt it. It's just impossible not to. Sure. It, it, no, it, I agree. It's it, it's it's not that Robocomp. I don't even want it to be my favorite movie. It's undeniable. Inception <laughs> is amazing and it's a masterpiece. And if you Absolutely don't like it, amazing. please watch it again and try and reevaluate it. And Otherwise, also, we can't be way, friends. It- looks so good like i mean if you just want something to caress your eyeballs right now i mean everyone's fucking gorgeous in this movie like you've got your ken watanabe you've got your tom hardy you've got your cillian murphy you got your jgl i mean <laughs> marian cotillard i mean We're talking about the most gorgeous people <laughs> are our stars right now. If you and like, if you like jawline, impeccable clothing. If you like jawlines and tight formal wear, this movie is for you. Girl, it's, yes, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. I, I can't recommend rewatching this enough. I remember just doing an interview with somebody about the best thing of 2010. I'm like, why are more people not saying Inception because it's a studio movie and it made money? Like, this is excellent. Now, I think honestly, I think people. I don't know why, but maybe mm. kind of forgot about it a little bit. And I think part of it was that I do think it is a little bit hard to parse if yeah. you only give it one watch. That was my and dad. Was, my my dad said he, he so didn't get it. He said he, my dad said also, he was who was not dumb. He said he was lost in the beginning and never found his way back and hated yeah. it. Yeah. And then he watched it. I like and I literally said to him in one sentence, they invade dreams. They can go into dreams within dreams where time slows down. And that's that's it. And he's like, oh. I didn't get that. My dad is not dumb. He's not senile yet. And he definitely wasn't 10 years ago. And he returned to me. He's like, you were right. That was fucking awesome. That was amazing. Uh, and I said, dad. <laughs> Just, and also too, you have to make sure that you are in the right place to watch this though. Like, like your in-laws, Diana, like a lot of times I am not in a place where I'm going to sit down and not look at my phone and just watch mm-hmm. a movie. And uh, you have to be in that place in order to appreciate this movie. This is one of the few movies which I will say that because usually I am looking at my phone. I, I want I want to kneel down in front of Disney Plus and Lin-Manuel Miranda for having an intermission. 
I oh, get it. Yes. Multiple people yeah. watching a streaming film in 2020 for that long is difficult. It just is. Sorry. Everyone has alerts and notifications. It just is. So like mm-hmm. if there was some kind of break in the middle of the movie, I don't know. Like that I think that we my girlfriend yeah. and I as people who have, you know, certain addictions, it's there's some smoking happening. Uh, like oh, no. you're watching a movie at home. It's part of the, why you want to watch a movie at home. You can stop whenever you want, but it does interrupt the flow and you having to pick back up on being a good viewer. That's the kind of thing that hurts inception. If you're not being a good viewer. Well, and, but if I think that if you go into a movie, knowing that you are going to have a built in inner mission, then mm-hmm. you kind of know that like, I'm going to get through this part and then I'll be able to mm-hmm. take a break. And yeah. I think that's very important. I mean, I think that, all movies should have an intermission. Honestly, when I I even Dumbo, yes, no, Dumbo's sixty. It's like sixty four minutes. I feel like anything that's pushing into three hours, yeah, give someone no. an easy stop and spot. No, no, no. I'm saying every single movie needs a halfway mark intermission. So if you're going to a theater, because <laughs> I can tell you that I did study abroad, blah blah blah, whatever, and. I went to the movie theater a lot in Italy, and in every movie, it did not matter what movie it was, they did an intermission in the middle, and it was so nice. Wow. And, and, and think, yeah. think about it, uh, you Hollywood people, if people like the movie, sell them some merch. Buy some more popcorn. Yes. Like, uh, Love merch. I'm with this. Make your movies as long as you'd like. Just let me pee. Mm-hmm. Or smoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, agree, agree, agree. Or reapply my heroin patches. I don't know how that works, but I want to be cool. Is that what the kids are doing? They like the heroin? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Inception, I don't know why I would have to recommend it to you, but it is not overrated. It is underrated no. now. And mm. I know most yes, of you have probably written Inception is overrated somewhere. It's time to take that back because movies are not as good as this anymore. They are not. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who exalts the, the, the 80s, 90s, and 2000s and never give as much praise to something that came out in 2010. You, The world should have more movies like Inception, we should have more people with the creative freedom as Christopher Nolan, period. Yep. Uh, uh, and it was supposed to be re-released at theaters, and yeah. the theaters are still closed. Oh, maybe it could have been number one at the box office this week, beating Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters is number one at the box office this week, because wherever they're still showing movies to a public audience, Ghostbusters pulled in 50 grand this week. <laughs> 50 grand! Wow. Uh, it's, Yeah. It could have beat Ghostbusters. Can you imagine a world like, oh, man, what do you want to see, Inception or Ghostbusters? <laughs> this uh, is what I implore to people. Wear a mask, please, so that numbers can go down so we can go back to the theater. I am, di- yeah. like, I am dying to go back to the theater. Please. You're, you're forgetting one thing. Masks don't work. And I know you're thinking that's weird because healthcare professionals – uh, sewage workers, people who work on disasters, and uh, even around sawdust, massive work for them for like hundreds of years. But now, oh. in 2020, they magically don't work. I read this somewhere. <gasps> I did. Oh. And some guy uh, confirmed my bias in a YouTube video. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, so, it's true. So That's interesting, because I, I heard from the same people that said that waterboarding wasn't torture, <laughs> that wearing a mask is... Uh, I found that pretty interesting. I have never but, wanted so to go if to you put a mask on and then dump water on it while yelling questions at yourself. You're okay. I have never wanted to go to med school so bad, except <laughs> for this long con where I become a surgeon, and then I 
get to fucking do open heart surgery on this MAGA idiot and pull my mask down. I'm like, you still think masks are fake? I'm about to cough into your chest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, sorry. Yes, I was joking a little, but, you know, television 2010, much more boring. Uh, (laughs) Rizzoli and Isles, is that a thing? Yes, secret Mm -hmm. lesbian show Rizzoli and Isles. Mm. I have heard it (laughs) in a lot of lesbian-based punchline. I did not know what it was. I'm not kidding. I never. I I mean, it's a lady police officer Mm -hmm. show, lady detective show, starring Angie Harmon and Sasha Alexander. But it's basically has been the punchline for a secret lesbian show, a la Cagney and Lacey. Uh, for the past ten years, that's crazy. Because I, I I learned a lot about the world through through comedy, and like a uh, I can make a joke about the Sizzler. I have never seen a Sizzler in my entire life, but I know what it does and how it works through comedians' jokes. <laughs> the yeah. Nizolian Isles is like that for me. I I can't even envision what this is, but I I, I sort of well, know. I what just it, told you. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I have Lady no cups. no visual Lady representation of what this is, but I know what it is from mm-hmm. it being a punchline. Uh, the Hills finale is also this week. Um, uh, God, for the longest time, I learned that if there was a name I didn't recognize on a tabloid, eh, it's probably somebody from the Hills. Oh, from the Hills. true. That's a good point. I don't and know I, who the I, fuck I, Heidi Montag is. Eh, it's probably somebody from the Hills. And it's odd that I call it a finale. It is a reality show, so I'm assuming these people didn't die after the credits. Uh, uh, and, and also... Nah, some spun off. And also, well, I think this was the show... That sort of broke reality shows. It was really popular, that, but then the people writing it got tired of pretending it wasn't written. Mm. And I'm working on the number one show on cable, and I'm not allowed to say I wrote it. Mm. And mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. I need work. This show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, that's, that's how I remember people talking. That's a conversation I remember happening around the hills, that it's just mm-hmm. like it's a reality show with a ton of writers who are not mm-hmm. getting any credit. Um, and video games, there are many, but again, we will go into more in depth into these on, uh, patreon.com slash laser time. We have a brand new episode out talking about, uh, among other things, the song of the South, um, ride being reskinned and, um, yeah, it is a little, I'm super for that. uh, Me too. Cause the princess and the frog does not get enough love. Yeah. It does not. And, uh, I just, I just looked at my. Louie, the fucking trumpet blowing alligator. It makes that I have a doll of that in my house. It makes me so happy. I can It's so cute. Yeah. And uh but video games this week, Dragon Quest Nine, Sentinels of the Starry Skies, first Dragon Quest game I've ever played. Hear more about that. Patreon.com slash laser time. Death Spank, NCAA Football Eleven, The Sorcerer's Apprentice for Nintendo DS. Yes, Blacklight Tango Down, and of course, Deadliest Warrior the Game. Which yeah. is Almost the is the only reality show that should have a good game, and this one didn't. But, ah. <laughs> but uh, that is about it for the show. If I didn't say this, we are executive produced by many fine people, uh, including Kevin Kittredge over at patreon.com slash laser time. Supports the whole laser time network. Uh, this week on laser time, we're talking. We have a really fun quiz. I don't want to spoil anything, and there's no real cool way to sell it, but it was one of the most fun things I've done with everyone in a while. Um, and Video Game Apocalypse this week. Uh, we'll be talking about the Iron Man VR game and uh, I think D-Makes, if you know what I'm saying by that. And uh, there should be a new video game episode of this very, very, very soon with a very, very special guest if he's still in. I'm so I'm so happy he wants to be involved. Anyway, uh, Di, where can people find you before we get into the birth and, de- uh, birth and death quiz? 
Uh, well, they can find me on Twitter at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, mm-hmm. 302010podcast. And what do I feel like teasing for next week? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got more action movie stuff. A Roger uh, Rabbit cartoon? I think we might, actually, but we also have uh, Angelina Jolie in a role written for oh. Tom Cruise. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That doesn't happen very much. I can do, uh, <laughs> uh, and I want to do just see if I can tease this. Ooh, clerks reference. Uh, that is cool. <laughs> that will also be there. I can tell you about the time I almost accidentally enlisted in the military. It oh, was, yeah, hmm. it's a dumb story. Uh, <laughs> it's, with that out of the way, we got to talk about who was born and who died during this period. What's going on, Ty? Are people still alive? Well- People are still alive, but in 2010, George Steinbrenner wasn't, but he was 80 when he passed. Uh, he was the owner of the Yankees He's for dead? a trillion years. Yeah, I but, truly only know about this man through Seinfeld. Yeah. I know a lot of people do. Yeah. It sounds like Larry David. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> very bizarre. They're but, voice twins. With that out of the way, we got to do our quiz. Who was born this week? Birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, we got someone we like that we have talked about a bunch. Mm. We got a lady turning 60. 60 years old. William Sadler. Oh, no. Uh, she was born July 14th, 1960 in Evergreen Park, Illinois. Worked at the Steppenwolf Theater Company for 15 years, then at Second City. 60. She's turning 60. Mm. Jennifer Coolidge. Good guess. Oh, God, that scared me. I thought I just All lost right. that quickly. She has oh. 210 IMDb credits. Mm. Ooh. And it, has uh, been on uh, every uh, television show. Flow the Progressive Girl. No art. Seriously, going through them, I, every TV show, Married with Children, Empty Nest, Party of Five, News Radio, West Wing, X-Files, Gilmore Girls, Arliss, none of those should help you because she was on everything once. Mm. Lori Metcalf? No, but that's also a good guess. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a series regular on Criminal Minds, Party Down, in the L Word. Uh, uh, Jane Lynch. Lynch. It is Jane Lynch. Dude, that was, Hi. That Hi. was fucking Hi. Batista, John Cena, same time. I'm going to need to see a, a fucking clock on that. Uh, <laughs> I definitely said it first. We need to reset. Let's be honest. Pick another one. Bullshit. We said it at the same yeah. time. Jinx. Uh, also, I'll... we've talked about her in movies like Vice Versa, What Planet Are You From, Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Rocker. Those are all smaller parts. Julia, Julia, much bigger parts. Wow. And then she also is the overlap between two filmmakers with regular, with like regular recurring casts, the same people over mm-hmm. and over, Talladega Nights and Role Models. And for your consideration and best in show, we get to talk about it later this year. Wow. Ooh, I'm so excited. Fucking rad. Yep. Well, that is about it for us, people. Thank you. Consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash laser time. You'll keep these shows going, keep everybody, uh, our equipment up to date and our people compensated for their time. And you'll uh, also get a bunch of extra stuff, including over 100 movie commentaries and some video commentaries in there. We're going to close out with something, um, I don't want to say personal, but it is something I watch about once a month and makes me very happy. It's the uh, one of the best synergies with two things that I very much like, Charlie Chaplin and the Inception theme. <laughs> it is the great the speech from the end of The Great Dictator, and I will say, sadly, it never gets old. No, never. It's 80 years old this year. It's more relevant than ever. It's 80 years old. It brings me to tears once a drunken week, and uh, I, I enjoy it very much. And it gives me hope for the future, even though it's things like this that got Charlie Chaplin kicked out of great old America. 
you know, when he made that comedy about that guy, about that guy with a weird mustache nobody knew at the time. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, Turns out he might be bad news. Oh, how dare he say such a thing? This was originally uploaded Canceled. by Link the Coward. <laughs> it uh, has over 10 million views. However, we're going to use Envy's version, which balances the audio a little better so you can hear what he's saying. Let's close out with the Inception theme uh, with Charlie Chaplin. Later, people. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel? Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder? Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate, only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason, a world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite!